Hello there, Dave here. Just want to tell you that this episode of Tales from the Backlog is brought to you by the patrons of The Tube. Personal heroes of mine like Chris Nelson, the Top 3 Podcast crew, new patrons Jill and Hopple, and many more have gone to patreon.com slash realdavejackson and supported The Tube. And by supporting the tube, they're getting some cool treats in return, and you can too. Just head over to patreon.com slash realdavejackson, and you will be my hero too. All right, let's get to the show. Hey everybody, my name is Dave Jackson and this is Tales from the Backlog, where each week I'm joined by a guest to talk about a game we played. My guest today, kicking off October, is a friend of the show and a true advocate for hiding the president's daughter in trash cans, Michael Mays. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Very excited to talk about this game. Hell yeah. This was one when I first started Tales from the Backlog, I messaged a bunch of people like hey does anyone want to come on the show and talk about video games and you were like yeah if you play resident evil 4 let me know and i was like that'll fucking never happen absolutely (laughs) not so you came good to to get you on the show man and today we are going to talk about resident evil 4 which is a survival horror third person shooter developed and published by capcom originally for the gamecube in 2005 and I usually do an elevator pitch. This seems like one of the games that doesn't really need to be pitched to people anymore, but um, some consider this to be the greatest survival horror game ever and no doubt a huge influence on what we know as third-person shooters today. Definitely, yeah. This game um, made a big impact when it came out. It's never gone away. It's kind of like Skyrim. You can get it on everything and it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. So the spoiler policy for this episode is... um, basically the same as regular episodes of the show although like this is one where like if you get the story spoiled for you somewhere it is like definitely not going to influence like (laughs) how much fun you have with the game the story isn't really the point in my opinion but we'll still follow the same basic thing no big spoilers until after the spoiler wall check down in the show notes for a timestamp. before we get into resident evil 4 michael i know there's something you want to uh, tell people about, so take it away. So um, I don't really have like a Twitter. I'm not a podcast or anything. So uh, instead, I would like to bring attention to the National Association for Urban Debate Leagues. Uh, they really did a lot during the pandemic, especially debate grew a lot because you can do debate from home and they've struggled to keep up. So if you want to go to urbandebate.org slash donate, you can help the National League or if you go to urbandebate.org slash find dash a dash league, you can see if there's one in your area to support. And and they really, really, really do good work. So cannot cannot uh, advocate for them enough. Yeah, that sounds like a worthy cause for sure. And uh, I'll put those links down in the show notes so people can easily get a hold of those. Yeah, and check those out if you uh, feel like supporting. It sounds like a good cause for sure. Yep. So 
Let's uh, get into talking about Resident Evil 4. Uh, we're going to start with our personal histories with the game. Uh, the guest always goes first. So, Michael, what originally brought you to Resident Evil 4? When did you play it for the first time, et cetera, et cetera? Um, so I remember seeing reviews for the GameCube version of this game and like all they were really glowing, like the X-Play review, I remember in the Game Informer review especially. Um, and I didn't have a GameCube at that time, so I waited until the PS2 version came out and then I rented it uh, from my local store and that was kind of it for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think I've beaten this game like truly an uncountable number of times it is definitely <laughs> over 50 times probably close to 100 times mm-hmm. um i i have this game memorized and it was my favorite game for a long 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 time until another game that you've covered for the show came out persona 5 royal right. um and i i think this game this game is just like a part of me i can't unknow everything about it Cool. Yeah. Perfect guess to kind of offset my history with uh, the game then. So I just played this for the first time. Like, you know, I beat it a couple weeks ago. And I, well, people who listen to the show or know me know that I don't like scary things. So Resident Evil was always just an automatic, like, let other people have fun with Resident Evil. I will never play one of those games. (laughs) And then, kind of as the show has gone along, I've played a lot of games that, like surprised me that I could like get through them despite how scary they were like uh, Soma and uh, coming up next month on the show, there's going to be a couple episodes about prey, which I think is a pretty terrifying game at times. Yeah. And so I started to think like, Oh, um, resident evil four people say that's really good. And I am always interested in at least checking out, these kind of like seminal games, even if I don't like them, I'm interested in checking them out. So, you know, this is another stop on my gaming history tour. And before we get into some opening thoughts, if people are wondering how long resident evil four is, um, my playthrough took me 15 hours. I played it on switch. Uh, the switch version is very good. I didn't really have any problems with it. 15 yeah. hours. We'll talk about this. How long we'll how long does a regular playthrough take for you? Um for me it's it depends on like how I'm playing it. Mine was 10 like 10 hours and 30 minutes or so. Uh mm-hmm. but I was playing on easy mode and and I again like I have this game memorized. I remember my first playthroughs being in like the 15 to 20 hour range kind of where you are. This game is long. <laughs> yeah. I think like not to get into a huge thing about it right at the beginning of the episode but i i think this game's too long like it's a couple hours too long uh, definitely for for a game like this i like i look at the stuff and i'm like there's a couple parts in the game that i think like last way too long or don't fit really at Mm -hmm. all and they they would be pretty easy cuts but to say that a 15 hour game is too long is it's not as bad as saying like this game's 90 hours long and it's too long. So again, mm-hmm. it's, it, I think it's too long, but it's not horrendous. It It is very dense is the thing. So like, there's not a lot of like true downtime in this game. So 15 hours is like a full 15 hours of game. And, mm-hmm. and I didn't used to think this game was like, substantially too long but i actually haven't played this game in a while i've been just you know busy and stuff like that so um on this playthrough i kind of went in with fresh eyes and it it is amazing how much of it now i'm like yeah maybe this is like good but like (laughs) twice as long as it needs to be or this section could be like you know whatever cut entirely there's a lot Mm -hmm. of that 
And yeah. in fact, I played the PC version, uh, and maybe we can talk about this a little bit later, uh, specifically because I wanted to play easy mode. And what I had forgotten is that easy mode actually cuts out some of the parts of the game. Like it's, there, oh. there is physically different geometry in some parts of the game. Um, Interesting. to like prevent you from going certain places and move like switches different places so that they're easier to get to. Um, and so yeah, that, the easy mode is itself kind of like a little trim of the game. Interesting. Okay. That's odd, but I yeah. feel like that's an old school game design thing where easy mode cuts out like real parts of the game instead of like just balancing things a little bit. Definitely. Yeah, it, it is. And especially this game, which has so many like different versions of it and not all of them even have the easy mode. So it is like, kind of hard to uh pin down like what version exactly you're playing of this game if someone just tells you they played resident evil 4 there's a lot of different versions (laughs) that's true yeah i got a recommendation that the switch version is good and that's all i need Uh, i would i prefer to play most things uh while horizontal so that worked out pretty well um get into some opening thoughts about re4 um i i'll be honest i was expecting to hate this game (laughs) i've seen gameplay videos of it i've seen the you know that they've seen the fact that you can't move and shoot at the same time um i've seen just you know if if you just watch a video of enemies slowly walking toward you and you have to plant and shoot and stuff like that i didn't think that this was going to be very fun i was super pleasantly surprised i think this game rules and it's one of the biggest examples of like you know I was so wrong based on my first impressions without playing it. Uh, so I think this game's great. Uh, there are some things that I don't love, but overall, I had a blast playing this game. That is such a sigh. I was really worried you were kind of going to be down <laughs> on this game, to be quite honest. And I was going to be like, you know, Mr. Positive and it, and it was going right. to be like a little bit of a conflict. But man, this game freaking rules. It is. Um, I was trying to think as I was going through this time, like, what about this game is really, like, special to me? And I think it's two things. Um, number one, more than any game except for Tetris, this game is so good at, like, getting me in a flow state where I just want to, like, do one more chapter, one mm-hmm. more encounter, just, like, one more little thing. It is so fun, the core gameplay loop. And second, I think this game is, like, kind of a good counterpart to the Half-Life 2 episode you did earlier this year, in that I Mm -hmm. think both of these games are like high watermarks for games in general in terms of game direction. I think this is an absurdly well-directed game. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some parts where I think like maybe the director should have cut this out or, or what have you, but the choices made throughout this game and the like hard, like, strong hand in terms of like the tone and the the characters and like the the way the gameplay loop works speaks to me of like a game that is so well considered and so well crafted and so well put together that it is like kind of undeniably good like i i don't think you a person could really play this game and if they're amenable to third person shooters at all like not have some amount of fun i think this game is just fun yeah yeah i was i was mostly worried about the gameplay part of it with you know the fact that you can't walk and aim or walk and shoot or anything like that and then as soon as i started it i instantly realized like oh they designed the game perfectly around the fact that you can't move and shoot like i don't have anything to worry about and you're right like the 
the direction in general is just like we we said it's too long we both think it's a little bit too long but other than that i think that this yeah. is like a pretty perfectly crafted uh, game which again super surprising to me and let's take a little music break and when we come back we'll get into it In Resident Evil 4, you control alpha male U.S. government special agent Leon S. Kennedy, who's sent on a mission to rural Spain to rescue the president's daughter, Ashley Graham, who has been kidnapped by a cult. That is your kind of story setup. Well, she's missing, and then you discover that there's, you know, cult villagers doing what cult villagers do. There was culting about. Yes, there was much culting to be had. And um, the story, I think I said this earlier, but the story of the game is not really the point. Um, It's just something to keep you going throughout uh, all the levels and stuff like that. Now, I know that there is this big interconnected web of Resident Evil story (laughs) that's going through multiple games. I obviously have nothing to contribute as far as that goes. Um, The tone of this game is really what got me through. Like, the story was cool. It's it's like a, you know, it's like an action horror movie story. Could be in any number of, you know, movies like that. The tone yeah. is really like what I take from this, you know. I enjoyed the more tone than, of like, this the plot. game. Yeah. The, the is bonkers. I don't it know is. how they released this game with this tone. I I truly don't know how <laughs> it made it through. Cuz what would you describe this tone as? Is is it campy? I don't It is. Yeah. I I feel like there's something else, but I don't know what the word is. So we can go with campy. It's just weird. Every single person in this game, every single interaction in this game feels like it was made by aliens who like watched a thousand (laughs) hours of like fifties horror movies and just like made a script. It's so strange. It is the, so I would definitely call it campy. It's over the top. Like, you know, like a, you know, a like a b action movie would be you know that stuff that like if you turn on like the usa channel at three in the morning and they're playing like some random john cena action movie like that same type of over the topness um and i don't know i just like there's a lot of goofy stuff and weird one-liners that characters (laughs) say especially leon and it's it's just really really enjoyable i was worried like I said earlier, I was worried this game would be too scary. And I, other than a couple times where things, you know, pop out or something like that, this is not even presented as really no. a scary game. It's just a bunch of like heroic one-liners and mustache twirling villains and stuff like that. It's really weird, but I like it a lot. This game is not trying to like make you scared. It's trying to like make you tense and then relieve that tension. Like the gameplay uh-huh. is what to me sometimes instills like a tension in a scene but like when you objectively look at like what you're doing like where you are what is happening to you all of that stuff really lightens the like tone a lot where it's kind of hard to be scared um it is it is much more likely that you're going to be like oh crap i turned a corner and there's a guy right there and you get like a spike of tension 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the, st- I, to circle back one, one moment to the story just real quick. Yeah. I always think when I think of the story of this game that I'm forgetting something. Like, like, surely <laughs> I have, <laughs> surely I've forgotten like a, a B plot or like some twist or something. No. The, the yeah. story <laughs> that you get in the first hour of this game is the story. Uh huh. It, it's a very simple story. You know, President's yeah. daughter has been kidnapped. Uh, you're kind of going through cult territory trying to get her back and, in hour 13, that's what you're still doing. It's not throwing curveballs at you. I find that so audacious in a way. It is so like they knew what they had with the gameplay in a way, and they knew mm-hmm. what they had with this tone stuff. And so they didn't want to like complicate it, which is an issue that other Resident Evil games fall into. And this game totally sidesteps. So it seems like a real, like, again, like a directorial choice. Like they knew what was happening with this game and where to, to put their, their cards. Yeah. Is so is this campy tone something that's consistent throughout like all of the Resident Evil series? I like I've heard many things about Resident Evil Six. I know that that game's weird as fuck too. Um, but I have like no experience with like one through three or you know seven and eight. I don't really know what's going on there. It's it's yes and no. It's it feels like one of those things where they kind of stumbled into it and then owned it a little bit. I feel like okay. one through three are like accidentally campy. And then okay. the revelation with four was what if we leaned into that? Right. Perfect. Yeah. I'm a, yeah. I'm a fan. And you know, there are several like antagonists that pop up and cause problems for you on the quest to uh, get the president's daughter out of there. I thought most of them were like, legit funny like when they came on i was like smiling when i saw some of these uh villains that come up um i i just yeah enjoy it a lot yes we'll talk about especially the like second major villain of this game i think is the funniest freaking thing ever yeah yep for sure so let's talk about the gameplay that you brought up like they spent a lot of time um i feel like tuning this gameplay like this feels like a super well-tuned uh game so this is a third person shooter with that over the shoulder view it's not like a you know returnal where you can see your entire character like kind of zoomed out from the camera this yeah. is the the last of us the the new god of war that camera and very close yeah yeah like of course i didn't play this at the time but this is very obviously an influence on a lot of third person shooters that came afterwards mm-hmm, definitely and and that that gameplay loop that you said like like really nailed or we've both said they really nailed that is the one thing this game had a really long development cycle a really long and troubled development cycle and Mm -hmm. after the first version which became devil may cry that (laughs) over the shoulder third person view was the one thing that like remained consistent throughout all Mm -hmm. of the other versions of the game so they had a lot of time to nail down how the feel of this game should feel and they really killed it knocked it out of the park and and you can see why people tried to copy this because it's hard to make a game feel this good yeah and and i don't think kind of even they've i don't think they've recreated this exact combination of things even in their own series and i don't think other games have either i don't i don't particularly like the last of us i think god of war is pretty good but it's more different than than the others and and stuff like that so i feel like this is still to me like the best of this type of third person shooter. Yeah, and even if even games that are like 
maybe taking big influence from the camera angle and stuff like that. I, I haven't really played anything that plays like this. So this yeah. is um, tank controls. And like I've mentioned many times, the biggest difference between this and all the third person shooters that came after is that you, you can't move and shoot at the same time. So you're going to be doing a lot of moving and then shooting, you know, picking a spot that is far enough away where you can plant and shoot. And then when things get too close, reposition and stuff like that. One of the primary verbs of this game is hunker down. Yeah. <laughs> Find a good place to hunker down for sure. Yep. And I said, this is something that I was expecting to hate because like, if you're just hearing this and you haven't played the game, you're like, well, that seems like it would be super frustrating to constantly need to reposition and stuff like that. But it's not, I mean, it's not like the game developers didn't plan for this. So around most of the levels, they have safe spaces for you to like get up on a rooftop and shoot enemies as they climb a ladder toward you or you know, find some other high ground or find a window to shoot out of and stuff like that. And the enemies come at you very slowly for the most part. And it's just, you know, it, this reminded me when I was playing it, I was struck that this is like, this doesn't feel like a third person shooter. As I know, this feels like a bridge between like a light gun game at an arcade and a third person shooter. Like there's huge yeah. like arcadey energy to this like shooting. Yeah, exactly. And there is even the, an arcade mode in the game where they really go go ham on that called mercenaries mode. And, oh, and you're right. Cool. It, yeah, it's it, we'll talk about it, I think, in the spoiler section. It's like a neat little mode that does exactly that. It really makes it feel like an arcade shooter. Um, there's a section early in the game, like very early, where you have an encounter in this village, uh, which I thought was really hard the first time I played it. Luckily, I think there are a couple ways to actually finish that. Like, I think it's it's either you can kill all the enemies or just survive for long enough and then it will end. And yeah, it's a timer that you decrease in chunks when you kill things. So it's a gotcha. combination of time and killing. Yeah. So once I got past that, I feel like that was kind of like your trial by fire to just survive as long as you can. Once I got through that, it's pretty smooth sailing through the whole game. I only died a few times during a couple of boss fights. I yeah. like rarely died against the regular enemies uh, throughout the game. So this was like, again, not as rough an adjustment as I thought it was going to be. And it ended up being really, really fun uh, to kind of like, you see a big group of dudes coming at you. Okay, like... Let me find a safe place. Let me maybe climb up onto a rooftop. And then when they get up close to me, then reassess. And it ended up being a lot of fun. Yeah. And and the game does a lot of little things to make that fun happen. Like, for example, one is that this game has a lot of enemies that throw projectiles at you. And they move mm -hmm. so slowly. These things yeah. are in the air for like three solid seconds or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, and they also like... Um, enemies when they're not on screen or when there's multiple enemies on screen, the one you're looking most directly at will move fast and the others won't, uh, won't move or won't move fast, kind of like an action movie when mm -hmm. one person fights the protagonist and everyone stands around. They've right. done a lot of little <laughs> things to like make you feel like you are pressured, but not like totally out of control and totally pressed. Yeah. And you have an, a couple other things that really help you like, 
kind of manage these situations, especially when there's a lot of people coming at you uh, at the same mm. time. Um, body parts take damage as you shoot, so you can shoot someone in the leg and they'll fall down. And even if you can't run over and you know get that easy melee kill on them, it at least takes them out of the picture for like five to ten seconds as they slowly pick themselves back up and you can focus on something else. Um, yeah. Headshots are really important because this is a game where you feel like you don't have enough ammo at all times. In like you will run out of ammo in some guns, uh, in some of these big fights. Mm-hmm. So headshots are important. Um, they make big, uh, gory, amazing explosions when you get headshots. Very arcadey. The pink mist in this game is top notch. Like <laughs> yeah. they really went all out. It's very misty, yeah, for sure. Um <laughs> They they kind of introduce uh, some enemies where like um, it feels like headshots are a bad idea. I don't really think that's the case, but it certainly no. feels like it. Yeah. So you, there's like enemies where their head will explode, and then like another big like enemy. I don't want to spoil it. A, a, a zombie thing will pop out, <laughs> and um, yeah. a, and the game I think wants you to think that this is like don't shoot them in the head or else this will happen. There's just specific enemies are always those, those types of things. So like, mm-hmm. if you know which ones they are, like, it doesn't matter if you headshot them or not, they will always be the special enemies. I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, to help you with the headshots and maybe if you want to shoot things in the leg or something like that, um, every gun in the game has a laser sight. Super, super helpful for probably three to four hours i had a lot of trouble aiming with just kind of how it's tuned like i would overshoot what i was aiming at or and it would somehow also take too long to like swing across the screen if i saw something in the periphery or something like that i got used to that it wasn't a big deal by the end Um, but everything has a laser sight so um as you're you know most guns you're not going to like look down the scope and shoot it's not really that kind of game so the laser sight is super helpful uh, to get those headshots. Yeah, this game also has um, a really kind of, I, I feel like a large, when you're aiming a gun, your character naturally moves the gun around. That That is mm-hmm. more pronounced than in other games. And the laser sight really helps, like, one, communicate that that is happening to the player. And two, like, make you feel like it's not that frustrating because um, there's this game expects you to shoot with precision uh more often yeah. like more often than it seems like it should and the laser sight helps with that even while you have that like motion sway that is pretty aggressive i feel yeah that being said i i didn't find this you know gun sway to be as um rough as in the last of us which is one <laughs> where i like really disliked it until you uh eat enough pills to make it go away which is <laughs> how that works yeah. in that game um didn't i you know at the beginning i had trouble aiming but it wasn't a huge deal after a few hours of getting used to it and especially uh when i got the shotgun which was my bread and butter for most of the mm-hmm. game you don't really have to aim just you know we know how shotguns work yeah one one thing this game does really early on that i think is so smart that helps with this a lot is one of the first like after that village scene you talked about before it introduces these blue medallions that are mm-hmm. made to in- inspire you to shoot things far away precisely. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really good teaching tool to incentivize like 
figuring out how exactly the feel of this shooting works when it's not just a guy in front of you that you can shotgun. It's such a, like a, a smart little thing. Yeah, that's a great point. I never thought about the blue medallions like that, but it is, you know, aim training for sure. Yeah, because you can get through that first little village without really aiming much. Enemies will just walk right at you, but that doesn't stick around forever. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's really smart. Yeah. Um, another thing that I think is real smart is uh, this game. Now, this is unconfirmed uh, by Capcom, but it's kind of like a um, thing that a lot of people know, I guess, like yeah. that this game has some dynamic difficulty going on. I mentioned earlier how you feel like you never have enough ammo, but I never, ever got to a point in this game where I was like, I don't have any ammo at all. Like, right. it just never happens. And I kind of suspected as I was playing that this was one of those things where it's like, oh, you're out of pistol ammo. The next enemy you kill is going to give you pistol ammo, stuff like that. Yeah, it it does work like that. And I don't know for the life of me why this was not like a back of the box every advertisement feature, because it is such a good idea. It is so useful at maintaining like a, that flow state, that subtle balance of being challenged, but not like put off by the challenge. Um, and it, it, it is real. It's been data mined. There's two things kind of happening here. Okay. Um, so one, what you're describing is the like dynamic loot table. So it'll look at like what's in your inventory. What do you have a lot of ammo for? Maybe you don't need ammo for that anymore. Or if you have a lot of healing, it won't give you healing items as much. Um, but it'll also look at what you use and give you ammunition for that in your next encounter. So if you use a lot of shotgun, you won't necessarily get shotgun ammo right away but once the music dies down and then you find like more enemies later those will tend to give you more shotgun ammo so it wants you to rotate Mm -hmm. through in each battle but after battles it'll give you back the ammo for the what for what you use most right the second thing is like this really strange and nebulous mechanic that i'm not even sure why why they put so much effort into it it's called game rank and it's this thing behind the scenes that is going up and down as you play and it it adjusts based on basically like how well you're doing so if you are um killing a lot of enemies you're not getting hit you're picking up a lot of items stuff like that the game will get harder um in subtle ways so enemies will do like up to i think it's like 25 or 30 percent more damage to you and they will Mm -hmm. take more damage to kill and sometimes item drops will be smaller so you may get three shotgun shells instead of five or something like that um and and those two things are always kind of working at the same time to like balance these two things of like the ammo economy and then the like damage economy and find a good balance between those it's really smart it it works very well yeah and it works the other way too where like if you're really struggling then it will lighten things up on you so it's not like a you know um it's it's not punishing you per se for like being good at the game um it's also going to be generous if you're having a hard time so and again this is something that like when i was like doing some research for the game when i came across this i was like oh that actually makes perfect sense this kind of lines up with what i thought as i was playing the game because i love this is something i praised the last of us uh for as well where like you know i always feel the crunch for ammo but I'm never totally out of ammo and just like left, you know, fucked. It doesn't happen. It's really good. 
it does lead to one kind of frustrating thing that is pretty minor, but um, it can hurt maybe your first time through. Maybe you noticed it, maybe you didn't, which is that it leads to uh, attacks doing different amounts of damage to you from even the same enemy in the same encounter. So there were a few times where like, there have been a few times in my playthroughs of this game where I'm like, that should not have killed me. And I know that, but it did because mm-hmm. I've been doing very well. So everything is doing more damage to me. So this uh, attack that should do half my health did like three quarters of my health or something like that. Oh, um, gotcha. But, but that's kind of once you see the matrix, it probably like you probably <laughs> didn't get frustrated no. by stuff like that. No, that was I, I didn't have a moment like that, but that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. still really, really elegant. And um, I think overall, like huge positive for just encouraging that number one, just encouraging having a good time playing the game, but also that flow state, like you've been mentioning. Um, yeah, it's it's real in this game. You definitely do get into that. Another thing that this game is famous for is the inventory system. Uh, we <sighs> call it in call it inventory Tetris or other people just call it resident evil style inventory management, uh, where all of your weapons have shapes and you have a briefcase with so many, you know, grid boxes that you can fill up with stuff. And sometimes you need to take all your stuff out and rearrange it to make sure that everything fits. And it's Diablo. Okay. I've never played Diablo either, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things. So the only other game I played that has this was uh, Prey, which I mentioned earlier. Prey has this. Uh, yeah. Prey, you can carry a lot more stuff than this game. I really enjoyed this. I never found a point where I was like, I'm out of space and I like, I really need space for more stuff. It was always like, no, you can't get greedy and carry a sixth gun. You need yeah. to, you got to draw the line somewhere. This is genius. And this is, I would play an entire game that is just this, to be quite honest with you. They did make an entire game that's just this recently. What? Like there's some, yeah, some indie uh, developer recently, by the time you hear this, maybe three, four months ago, put up a game that is just Resident <sighs> Evil 4 inventory. That's all that's the game is. So good. That's so smart of them. It is, this is such a good uh, pace changer i guess is a way to to say it like what i love to do is like after getting through an encounter or something just like take a minute and arrange my inventory it's so like soothing there's a big like ecstasy of order feeling to it to me where it's like oh everything is perfect right now um and it also it it creates something else for you to like um consider in that economy as you're going through of like like you said like there's a bunch of cool guns in this game and you can't realistically carry all of them. So it, right. it's good to to enforce that as well. I just, I love this inventory system. Then I will give a shout out to the game Save Room, which is an indie game that, I mean, I'm looking at a picture right now. It looks like the RE4 inventory game. And <sighs> uh, from all accounts that I've heard, it's pretty fun. And I believe it because I, I mean, I enjoy inventory management in a lot of games um, if they give you like an interesting thing to do with it. And this is really, really good. Yeah, sadly, this went away in the series, kind of. Oh, okay. (laughs) Future games have these in five. They simplified it to just a nine square grid that um, things only ever take up one item or one slot. Mm -hmm but it is still kind of positional in a way. There's some stuff with that. So they really dumbed this down in the future. This is the only game in the series that is like this. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, we mentioned weapons before. There's a lot of weapons uh, in the game. I think I found 
throughout the game, if I'm trying to remember, I usually carried four, four weapons until much later in the game, you can spend a bunch of money to upgrade how much inventory space you have, and then you can start to kind of get crazy with it. But for most of the game, I was rocking between three and four weapons. And I would say at any time, there's like six or seven that I thought would be fun to use. You just kind of have to pick, um, like, what are you most comfortable with? This feels like one of those games where, like, it's not about finding the best weapon for DPS or something like that. It's just like, I really like how this gun handles. I'm having fun with it. You can pretty much go through the whole game with it. Yeah, you can play through this whole game with the starting pistol and it's like it upgrades pretty well. Like it it mm-hmm. it still is useful at the end of the game. And um the the up the way upgrades work in this is like I think that little secret sauce to me. It is such a nice little like sprinkle of RPG elements on top of this action game where like when you uh as you proceed through the game you can upgrade your weapons, their um damage, their reload speed and their capacity. And then if you do all of that for a weapon, there's like a special unique upgrade at the end, which is like usually like mega damage or ton of uh, ammunition or something like Mm -hmm. that. Um, And all of them end up feeling very different, even if it's like two different shotguns or two different pistols. They're all very distinct. So it, it leads to exactly what you said, where like, I like this pistol, but I don't like this pistol as much. So I'm going to use the first one through the whole game. And the game supports that. It's so nice. Yep. And there's a bunch of weapons that I didn't use because I was just like, no, I really like my shotgun and I like the uh, the SMG and stuff like that. But there's a bunch that looked like super goofy and like yeah. really weird that like if I do replay this game, I'm going to be like, I'm just going to use all the weird guns and have fun with like the, you know, the mine thrower or some of the other stuff that like i don't even remember the names but like the descriptions were like huh that seems odd well i'm just gonna stick with my trusty shotgun for now but if i replay definitely checking those out i will say the mine thrower the one you mentioned is maybe the one weapon in this game i don't like that doesn't feel good (laughs) Um, so maybe maybe skip that but if you beat this game you unlocked a bunch of weapons and those are all really cool those are all fun and unique and interesting which Mm -hmm. i don't want to spoil them quite yet but they're all yeah Well, you mentioned um, upgrading, and this kind of goes into like what you're spending your money on in the game. Um, as you go around, you'll find a bunch of little treats around each level. Uh, this game really rewards you for poking around. Like mm-hmm. you come to an intersection, like a V or a T intersection. One side is the way you're supposed to go. The other side will definitely have some treasure for you. If yeah. you just check the map, um, the map shows you which way you're supposed to be going. So I never felt that bad like JRPG dungeon anxiety about like taking the wrong way and missing out on the treats. It was always just very much like, oh, I know exactly where to go. Yeah. Let me go over here. There's always something there. Like exploring in this game feels great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. And it rewards you for looking everywhere, for looking up, for looking under, for looking around. Like they really want you to like stop and look at every scene and see mm-hmm. if you can find something that is shining that is like a little brighter than the surrounding or like whatever um and gosh it's so fun it is such a uh, again like a flow state thing to be like constantly rewarded with these little dopamine hits of like ooh that's 3000 pesetas or ooh you know like yep. what is this and, and then you'll use that money 
or the treasure you find. Uh, Sometimes you'll find treasures that can be combined with other stuff to make them more valuable, but most often you're just finding little stuff that you can sell or just straight up finding money uh, that you'll use at what is now probably my favorite merchant in any video game. Like, I love this guy. Just pops up laughing at you. He's so good. He... This there's a reason he I think he transcended this game like this is one of the <laughs> the like memes I remember or what it, proto memes I remember about this game which is the merchant and like what are you buying what yeah. are you selling <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he'll comment like if you're in the sell screen he'll comment on what you're about to sell him and mm-hmm. it's usually like oh I'll buy that for a high price but there's some like unique fun ones in there if you like mm-hmm. sell him. Um, I forget what it is, but there's, there's some unique fun ones in there. Um, and he is non Euclidean, this man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. One of those classic things, like you're going through like these hellish gauntlets to get to the next stage. He's ahead of you somehow. Somehow he made it through. And not only did he make it through, he set up a full shop. Like he has a stand. Uh huh. He's got (laughs) huge inventory just like sprawled out everywhere. There's a point in this game where he has like a hidden lake shack in a cave mm-hmm. and it's like <laughs> why what is this doing here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who made this? Yeah, he's really good. And uh, uh I I always love just like, you know, maybe you just got through a really tense combat encounter and you see the like the bluish purple flames that signify yeah. that the shop is there. It's always a really good feeling to turn the corner and see that. Yeah, or like you enter a room and you're like, oh, what's in this room? And then you hear the save music and it's like, oh, that means my merchant man, my merchant guy is going to be here. Freak yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, that guy rules. He also has like one thing that I think is an easy cut from this game. I'm not sure why it's in this game at all, which is these shooting galleries. Did you do these at all? I did a couple of them and I was like, this actually really sucks. I'm not doing any more of these. This is the one part of this game I have never completed in any f- way, shape, or form. I am not sure why this is in the game. They are not fun. They are just they're, hard. Yeah, I was going to say, they're not, and it's not like it's not fun to shoot things in this game. They're just really, really hard. Like, even yeah. the very first one you do, I couldn't get, like, the target score. In a game that is, like, so much about expression through play, these seem very prescriptive in a way that is counter to the entire ethos of the rest of the game. Well, you mentioned being expressive through play. I didn't talk about melee combat yet, uh, which is another thing. Like I said, ammo is scarce sometimes and feels scarce, even though it's you're not going to like fully run out uh, very often. It might happen, but you always have a knife, and you always you get into these things where like you can kind of daze enemies um, by shooting them or something like that, and then you get a quick little QTE. Uh, Leon will do. Uh, I think at the beginning he does like a spin kick uh, mm-hmm. to <laughs> to knock enemies down. It's a quick um, way to conserve ammo and kill things. Later on, these kind of actions that he does get 
even more over the top you start doing like wrestling moves on these yeah. on these enemies the, the context sensitive button prompt says suplex yeah <laughs> yeah it's real good it's, it's just really a lot of fun satisfying to like suplex someone into pink mist brain explosion like that is a yeah. verb in this game you suplex <laughs> someone to their brain exploding uh-huh yeah it, it's a good time and it, it's all comes up naturally in the flow of of um the fights like you might get a good headshot on some bigger enemy and stun them and then like that button prompt comes up because they got too close to you kick them away turn the other direction more enemies coming over there it it ended up feeling really really natural uh, to do it that way it's also a good like crowd control thing because you're invincible while you're doing those little animations right. and they all mm-hmm. have like a area of effect kind of so you can like shoot if if like a bunch of enemies are right in front of you shoot one in the legs suplex that one and it'll knock the others back or something mm-hmm. like that and it's really yeah it's really fun and the knife feels good too it's secretly the goat weapon of this game it's very powerful and it's always useful i'm gonna be honest i didn't use the knife a whole lot it felt it has a, the range of it feels shorter than it should be like i was just yeah. constantly whiffing uh, with the knife but yeah i did use it to break open containers uh, throughout the entire game so that I don't waste, you know, shotgun ammo breaking open a barrel or something like that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, There are other QTEs uh, in the game, uh, mostly as part of like boss fights and kind of scripted uh, sequences during cutscenes. This caught me not paying attention during (laughs) cutscenes too often, but that's my fault for, you know, looking at my phone during cutscenes and not watching it. It's not like this game has like, 15 minute long cutscenes anyway no um, but they're pretty sure this game does have qtes uh which was the style at the time i don't hate qtes so like as long as i was paying attention i did fine on them um it's not like they're really really punishing you super hard for missing like i don't even think that you die most of the time for missing them you just get no. hit with something yeah most of the time it's yeah and there's like kind of two types of these though the cutscene ones i like less where it's like this is just a random cutscene and a qte in the middle of it um right. but there's other ones that are more like in the middle of a fight or while you're out in the world like the boulders at the beginning of the game i mind less <laughs> right <laughs> uh, even though they are just absurd like wh- why are those there how do they get them there where are they from who knows but oh yeah yeah and in the but middle this of is a game where you shouldn't be asking questions like that just <laughs> yeah, truly <laughs> you will go mad um yeah, and like in boss fights, there will be stuff where it's like you can dodge this if you press these buttons or stuff. Those mm-hmm. are fine. The the cutscene ones get me every time, especially one later in the game, which is like a cutscene with five or six of QTEs in a row. That mm-hmm. one, I, every single time I put down my controller because I'm like, oh, this cutscene. And then I'm like, oh, no, this cutscene. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're not bad, though. I'm not mad no. at QTEs in general. Um. They do have some button mashing QTEs, which I'm not a huge fan of as I get older and my button mashing skills go down, but they're not hard. It's just you have to do it enough. I can't remember if this game has those like wiggle the joystick QTEs, which I think are fucking terrible. It does. Yeah, I felt like it. I feel like I've played a bunch of games recently that just randomly have those. I hate those in every game that it comes up in. You know, you get stunned and you have to basically destroy your joystick Uh, yeah rest in peace if you're playing this game with joy cons it's over after this yeah move your hand put your palm on the thing because you can't do it with your thumb yeah right yep not good yep 
Another thing that I don't love about this game is that it has escort chapters and it's escort chapters where if the person you're escorting dies, then it's game over. Start again. Yeah. I don't think that they're horrible. They're like, it's definitely not as bad as some other games I've played in the past, but I did not have fun uh, doing these. It's funny to direct the daughter of the president of the United States to hide in a dumpster. Yes. But I didn't really have fun playing these escort uh, missions. Yeah, they're the kind of thing where like the fact that they are not actively a hindrance to the game is kind of a revelation in a way. Like it's very surprising that these don't suck as much as they could. Um, because yeah. for half of them, you can just get you're you're escorting Ashley. I don't know if you said that, but right. For half of them, you can just shove her out of the way and do what you need to do and then come back and collect her. So mm-hmm. most like those are like kind of incidental. The rest of them are, uh, it's, it mostly tends to involve like backing into a corner so that Ashley can't get away from you and then just right. keeping enemies away from Ashley. There is a fail condition in this game where Ashley doesn't die, but she is captured. Did you see that right. happen ever? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because if enemies go up to Ashley, a lot of times they don't try to kill her. They just pick her up. They throw her over their shoulder. And if they make it to a door, then it's game over. Yeah, a loading door specifically. Yeah. Right. And um, that that is... I I don't know if I like that that's in the game, to be quite honest with you, because um, I get why it is... But it's one of those things where it, to me, feels really frustrating every time. Like, every time I've had that happen, it's, I am very, very close to shooting an enemy, or I shot an enemy and just missed them, and they were just mm-hmm. really close to a door when they happened <laughs> to pick her up. And so, yeah. um, it doesn't feel great. And it also leads to both of my, I had three deaths, I think, this playthrough. Two of those were accidentally shooting Ashley while someone was carrying her. Oh, because if you if you shoot Ashley once, she dies no matter how much health she has. Oh, right. Makes sense. She's made of different material than Leon is. Yeah. <laughs> so uh I definitely lost these things more than once, like more than a few times, because I had to reload right as an enemy reached a door. Yep. Definitely. And yeah, it doesn't feel great when it happens, but also like how much I would say Ashley is in less than 30% of this game, surprisingly. Yeah. Like she's mm-hmm. not around all the time. Yeah, uh, this is it's good. not an escort game. It's just there's some chapters that she's with you and you have to take care of her. It it didn't end up like it's not like I just spent hours and hours repeating these sections because they're so hard. It's just like, you know, again, comparing to The Last of Us, like. I don't know. It, it's just more fun, uh, in my opinion, that Ellie is mostly can handle herself or yeah. at least can run away from stuff. So Ashley yeah. is useless. She will just when when an enemy gets close to her, her response is to be scared and do nothing. Yeah. Fetal position immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of along that line, we have there's a lot of chapters uh, in the game, even within escort missions or escort, I guess, encounters there's a lot of variety to them. It's not always just like shove Ashley in a dumpster and kill all the enemies. Sometimes you get separated and you're, you can't like run up next to her and you need to keep enemies away with your guns or outside of the escort um, missions. There's a lot of kind of variety in encounters. There's, you know, the classic, like you're inside of a cabin and zombies are coming in 
both windows and you have to keep them out and stuff like that. These are kind of hit and miss for me. I I don't love the kind of defend the house missions, but I don't really like those in any game. I didn't like them in The Last of Us either. So I want to just keep making that comparison. But the game does mix up uh, what you're doing from time to time. Yeah. Part of the like reason this game is 15 hours long is because I feel like they really strip mined the like possibility space for this play style. <laughs> like they did yeah. everything they could think of. Um, there's like several rail shooters in this game. Did you feel positively or negatively about those? Uh, there's one when you're on mine carts that I did not like. It was like twice as long as it needed to be. Yeah. But, um, what about I the mean, one at the end of the game? Did you like that one? We can maybe talk about it later. But there is a scripted thing that's very different from what you're doing at the rest of the game uh, at the very end that I absolutely hated. Um, but oh, excited to talk about yeah. that after the spoiler wall. <laughs> the game does mix it up. You're not, it's not always just these kind of like, um, you know, standard, like you're in a room and there's a bunch of dudes. Uh, they yeah. do mix it up. And if they didn't, this game would be unplayable because <laughs> the, the, the reason this game, I think you and I both agree is less fun at the end is because they stop coming up with new things to do. And, mm-hmm. and so the fact that there is so much variety in this game really speaks to the reason it can be 15 hours long and a little too long and still be pretty fun. Right. So this game is very brown, we'll say. Sometimes I like to point out the way games look on the show. Not always, but when I was thinking like, okay, what stylistically, what does Resident Evil 4 look like? Okay, it's dark and it's brown. And yeah. I don't have a whole lot else to say there. I Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the look of this game like is very generic horror in a way I uh-huh. admire and respect, but can't really get that interested in, you know? Like, I get Mm -hmm. big Manos Hands of Fate vibes from this game. Like, 50s horror is, I think, maybe what this is, like, drawing on that kind of era. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's very brown. It's very, like, uh, grim, dark, grisly. Like, it's trying to be realistic and, like, kind of gory. Uh, Mm -hmm. but the, the real, I think that the art direction of this game is, like, pretty good, but it's not very, it doesn't pop, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. there is like a good cohesion to the world and the characters and all that stuff. Like it all fits really cohesively. Mm -hmm. It's just not very ambitious. Yeah. The enemy design I thought was pretty good. Like I enjoyed um, the different types of enemies you fight. And especially I enjoyed the way the bosses look. Uh, They are pretty gory, gross, but also um, like still not scary. There is like a real like practical effects vibe to a lot of the like big enemies in this game. Like you can, I can almost imagine them being like made in like a, from animatronics or something like that. They feel mm-hmm. like they move and, and act that way. Um, and mm-hmm. 
the the one thing that I think the look of this game gets right is the distinction between the different major areas of the game. I think they all feel very self-contained and very distinct in a way yeah. that like prevents the brown from getting monotonous. Like <laughs> there's multiple different browns in this game. Yeah, I think they do. Browns. I think they do interesting <laughs> things with like yellow brown and then red brown and then green brown and there's some blue yeah. brown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This game came out a little before, you know, the the brown color palette took AAA games by storm. <laughs> um, but you're right. It does look visually distinct. Um, it's not like playing Fallout 3 where everything looks exactly the same. It's yeah. not quite like that. And the last thing I want to say about this is I played the PC version with the Resident Evil 4 HD project, which is a uh, fan mod where they like literally okay. went to some of the places where they took concept photos for the game oh, and sick. like took their <laughs> own photos for reference. It's very comprehensive and it looks stellar. Uh, so shout out to the one guy who started that and did most of it because it truly, yeah. <laughs> truly, truly looks insanely good. It looks like a, almost like a modern day release. Like it's such a good mod. Nice. Yeah. If I ever, get that gaming pc that i've been <laughs> shopping for i'll be sure to check that out for sure on, on the switch you're stuck with the brown yeah definitely one thing that i do think that this game does really really well is i think that the sound in general between the music and the sound design is really good like throughout yeah. the game really definitely. really enjoyed this i <laughs> i don't know if this is a resident evil thing but like the voice acting or maybe it's the way voice actors were coached in 2005 or something like that. The voice acting seems like almost disconnected from what's going on in the game. Sometimes like Leon, they feel like they like told him his lines, but not what he's doing it for. Like that this is not a horror game or there's nothing really important going on. Cause he's just very calm and slightly disconnected all the time. Whoever it is that is doing this voice performance feels like he was directed to say every line like it was the last line of an action movie. Yeah, that's a good description for sure. He's got one-liners too. Yeah, it's all declarative. Everyone declares things to each other and they don't talk. It's it's it, like every conversation yeah. is two people exchanging platitudes. Right. It, it's there's no there's no like acknowledging what the other person said, uh, especially yeah. between Leon and antagonists. It's just kind of like, uh, you know, I'm going to kill you. No, well, I'm going to kill you. Uh, yeah. So a lot of weird emphasis in sentences and places that doesn't quite feel <laughs> right, but you're like, mm. right. I thought it was hilarious as I was uh, going through, especially the early levels, uh, the villagers that you're fighting um, in the early levels in like these uh, just kind of, you know, slums are just kind of standing around yelling random curse words in Spanish. Like, yeah, they're not talking to each other but they're just kind of just yelling like ah mierda mierda that's it yeah. that's just in the background very funny to me Esta aquí. and it's like okay so they know i'm here yeah. now um the fun thing about this that um i don't think is super obvious that i didn't realize when i played it is that these are not people speaking modern spanish they're speaking like an older version of spanish so mm -hmm. like this game it doesn't it's, it takes place in quote-unquote rural europe it's definitely supposed to be spain um, right. And the nice little touch is like, this is supposed to be a, a, a village, an area that kind of got locked in time when the big incident of the game happened to them. And mm. therefore, they when they speak, they speak this older version of Spanish. It's like a nice little directorial touch, I guess. Interesting. 
Yeah, I didn't notice that. I just kind of noticed like when you're wandering around, there's a bunch, you can hear enemies a lot of times before you can see them, especially Mm -hmm. when you're in indoor spaces and you'll just kind of hear them just muere, muere. And I'm like, okay, well, there's a dude somewhere. Let me try to find him. One thing that this game that is very of the time that I think is a technical flaw maybe that helps with the atmosphere is that the Mm -hmm. positional audio in this game is not like super accurate. Like it, it uh-huh. quantizes pretty harshly in in the same way that um uh what's the system shock does the original system shock which i don't think you've played but it has this problem i have too, not where Looks an, scary and en- <laughs> it is it's super scary an enemy yeah. <laughs> one room away and three rooms away will sound basically the same so right it, it's not super helpful to tell you like where they are it just tells you that there is something still there which is very tension inducing for me because it yeah. could be anywhere mm-hmm Speaking of tension, uh, the music really adds to that, especially the kind of combat music. It's very not like not super atonal, but it's definitely like music to build tension. It's not like melody, um, yeah. especially during combat. And I think it's really good. And then when you're finished, it like drops and it's like quiet. Yeah, it's it's like a good like build tension and release. And the music plays a big part of that. It's I I think of this game as having two modes which are urgency orchestra and nice piano Mm -hmm. yeah that save room music is like well i played this i got huge dark souls um i think it's the opening menu theme in dark souls which like should be the other way around obviously this game came out first but it's that same kind of like just very calming very beautiful piano track um in the save rooms it's it's a real standout Mm -hmm. definitely and there's also not a lot of music. Like there is that combat track and there's that like save room track. And that's like kind of it. Mm-hmm. And it gets a lot of mileage out of just like that little variety because it is, it's not fully dynamic, but it is a little dynamic uh, where it'll get more intense if things are going poorly for you or there's like a lot of enemies or in boss fights and stuff like mm. that. Yeah. And there's also some uh, like kind of bombastic I'll just call it action movie music uh, yeah. playing like during cutscenes and stuff like that too. So they, it, it's definitely like all things are serving that kind of campy action movie vibe for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So on to like kind of the big question. And I, I mean, I'm excited to talk to you about this game because I know you like it a lot, but I'm excited to hear your thoughts about the fact that this game is going to be remade. I, yeah. So surprisingly, I don't, have a ton of thoughts i've been trying to keep myself in the dark on this a little bit um okay my understanding is that it's going to be as far as we know the same type of game so it's not going to like change genres on us which is good the other thing i know is that the other remakes capcom has done in the resident evil series are all like really stellar they're all yeah some of the best entries in the series as far as i'm concerned and so and and also capcom is like really revived this series like from the brink of disaster in a way Mm -hmm. that is kind of unheard of in games i think so they've earned my trust i guess you could say like they i trust them to take this game that i love dearly and remake it because they have a good track record so far right so i if you can guess i haven't played the other remakes (laughs) uh, but everyone that I've talked to who's like talking about games they like, they just constantly get brought up, especially two and three, right? 
So yeah, Resident Evil like, Two remake. I, oh man, you got to do that for the show, and I will gladly <laughs> come back for that. That game is exceptional. No, seems uh, seems pretty scary. Not gonna lie. <laughs> so like because they like you said they have this great track record. This isn't like um, Square Enix remaking a Final Fantasy game where you're yeah. like, oh, it could be really good or it could be one of the worst games I've ever played because Square Enix like is super hit and miss as a company. Yeah. And it's also probably going to be one game instead of three, which is nice. Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> and uh, it's not headed by somebody who's obsessed with belts and zippers. So. Uh. <laughs> I don't have like, su- I, I know there's a lot of people who have like huge thoughts about the fact that this game is going to be remade, even within the Resident Evil series, because I feel like this game even more than a lot of the other Resident Evil games is just like super important to a lot of people. Yeah. I just played this game for the first time in the past month. So I don't have that like long time attachment to it, but you are right. Like the fact that the other remakes have been so good and the fact that people seem to really like, uh, seven and eight. Yeah. So like the new games that they're making, I would feel pretty confident that this is going to end up being pretty good. And I'm I also don't know anything about what they're doing with gameplay or anything like that. I don't know if they're going to keep this, you know, plant and shoot style thing. Do you know? Have they even said? I don't know. The um I mean like the other remakes I'm pretty sure I it's been a while since I played the two remake, but I'm pretty sure it is just like this where it's like plant and shoot or or pretty similar. Maybe you can move and shoot. I don't remember exactly, but um the the overall gameplay from Capcom on this style of third person shooter has remained very consistent over time. Mm-hmm. Like, like the Resident Evil 3 remake and this don't play markedly differently. Um, so I think that they will probably try to be pretty faithful to it because they know that this, this, um, formula is something people still want and they can still make a good version of it. So I'm hoping. Yeah. I don't think this game needs to be remade. No, but. I'm not the type of person who like gets mad about remakes that are unnecessary or something like that. Like for a lot of remakes, people will say like, well, Resident Evil 4, like you said earlier, is available on every single video game system from the GameCube to today. Yeah. Everything that's powerful enough to run the game has a version of it on the store. Like it's on the Switch. So this isn't like a remake the game so people can play it like Demon's Souls or something like that. And I don't think that this is a game like Final Fantasy VII, in my opinion, where the gameplay needs to be updated. I found this to be super fun, but I'm not mad that it's being remade because, like we've said, the track record says it's probably going to be pretty fun and it's going to look great. um, No doubt about that. Yeah. And there's like some quality of life things I think they could probably improve, like in the menus and like the way, I don't know some stuff works they could probably polish it up a little bit if i had to mm-hmm. predict i have a feeling that this remake will be more faithful than even the like two remake is which is pretty faithful because mm-hmm. this is a game where if they changed too much like i don't know what you would change in this game to be quite honest with you if you're coming at it from a remake perspective like i don't know what capcom would look at and go like oh man that's a real error that we need to like fix up or like something we have retconned because this game stands up outside of the series a lot in terms of story. Mm-hmm. So it's not like three where they had to like retcon in some story stuff. Um, mm-hmm. This game just kind of on its own. So I don't 
there's no real need to change anything about it is the is the resident evil storyline like like this tangled mess like kingdom hearts or something like that it's at this terrible point? it's it's <laughs> the the overarching story of this series is god fucking awful sorry god freaking awful <laughs> the overarching resident evil storyline is a train wreck of dumpster fires yeah I uh the friend of the show uh the main quest podcast has been doing a series on Resident Evil but only the story like never talking <laughs> about gameplay and it's it's one of my favorite ideas out there cuz when I listen like listening to the episode about Resident Evil 6 but not talking about how it plays just the story is very funny to me. Yeah. It, that um <laughs> seems like a really good way to uh hate video games. <laughs> <laughs> so Let's get into some uh, some final thoughts before the non-spoiler section about Resident Evil 4. I'll let you go first. Uh, what do you want people to know kind of in summary, and who would you recommend this game to? Play this game. <laughs> you, you own something that it is on. It goes on sale pretty frequently, uh, and even not on sale, I think it's what, like 20 bucks or something like that, mm-hmm. 30? Um, play this game if you are amenable to third-person shooters at all. Um, it may take a little getting used to, um, in terms of the controls, because some of that is a little, little antiquated. Um, but mm-hmm. other than that, I think that most modern game gamers, if they like enjoy third person shooters, would like this game still. So play it. Yeah, I agree. The control scheme is a little bit, like you said, antiquated, but it's not that hard to get over and kind of get into the flow of it. And like I said, it's a lot of fun. So, it's a pretty easy recommendation uh, for me, unless you just like really don't like horror games. Yeah. I mean, like really don't like, like I don't like horror games, but I didn't find this to be very scary. And if you just really don't like third person shooters, then, you know, you know, maybe not. I mean, this is a third person shooter, but as far as this isn't like Returnal, it's not like it's super difficult or anything yeah. like that. And one thing this game... um does that i i think we haven't mentioned yet that i really want to reward it for is that it's very bite-sized like this game almost feels like in a lot of ways like it was made for the switch or something like that because Mm -hmm. i played my my final save time was 10 hours and 30 seconds and i think i saved like 80 times or something like that like Mm -hmm. there's save points (laughs) everywhere you can pick up and stop this at almost any time like every 15 minutes or so um so don't have to like sit down with it and like if if you are scared of it you can just push through little bits and i and i think it really rewards that so yeah yeah each chapter has like i think i went over a hundred saves so like there are many many places to save and that's not even counting like if you're playing on switch or on uh ps4 ps5 you can just like you know go into rest mode and pick it up Mm -hmm. later but the game itself, even if you're playing it on a GameCube, it is designed uh, in these little bite-sized pieces, for sure. And you circle back a lot in this game, too. So, like, chapters will have, like, one save point that you come back to two or three times, mm-hmm. which, uh, again, further incentivizes that, like, bite-sized nature. Yeah. So, pretty easy recommendation. It's just, to me, it's just kind of like, if you hate third-person shooters, maybe not. But yeah. for everybody else, like... If you haven't played this yet, I mean, I realize I'm probably one of the few who hasn't played this, but if you're listening to this and you haven't played it yet, it has my recommendation uh, pretty easily. So let's do a little bit of housekeeping before uh, getting into the spoiler section. So um, 
Michael, one more plug for the uh, the debate thing. Yeah, uh, urbandebate.org slash donate or urbandebate.org slash find dash a dash league. Um, again, they, they really have stepped up throughout the pandemic because you can do debate without going physically places. And that involved like buying a bunch of people laptops and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they really, really, really need support right now more than ever. And they do great work. I cannot recommend them enough. The Ur- National Association of Urban Debate Leagues. Very good. Again, check down in the show notes for links for uh, places to learn more and or donate. Uh, sounds like a good worthy cause. Um, slightly less worthy cause is uh, supporting Tales from the Backlog by telling a friend, <laughs> hitting subscribe if you haven't already, uh, maybe supporting the Patreon or going to the uh, the coffee page, however you pronounce that. Uh, links down in the show notes, of course. Uh, also, the Discord server for Tales from the Backlog is hopping. We have a lot of good people in there talking about games. I suspect there will be several people who played Resident Evil 4 and want to talk about it this week. So now's a good time to join. Also consider listening to a top three podcast, which is my other show, doing top three lists. Michael and I are going to take a break, and when we come back, it's spoiler time for Resident Evil 4. Michael and I are back and it's time for spoilers for Resident Evil 4. Take it away, Michael. Yeah, so I <laughs> I'm sorry if I, I go a little overboard in this section. I have so basically I could talk about every single individual room in this game and like uh. gush about it or <laughs> complain about it. And so I, I've I have a feeling that I'm gonna uh, drag you through some sections that you might not remember very specifically or whatever, but Yeah. <laughs> very, very first thing I'm curious about. We touched on this at the beginning. What do you think about like this game's length and like how long all the like three major sections of it are? So there's like three main areas of this game, the village, the castle and the island. Right. Um, what did you think about like the distribution of those of those areas and like where you would cut all that stuff just in general? Yeah. I know a lot of people think that the castle is too long, but I never really got sick of the castle. I honestly thought the game was going to be over at the end of the castle. It feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah, it feels like you're building up to a conclusion at the end uh, because, I don't know, that's how things work when you're trying to solve problems. If you kill the head of the castle, then you win, right? That's how it works. Yeah, and that's also how castles work by law, I'm pretty sure. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if I learned anything from medieval history, for sure. In Game of Thrones, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so like... The stuff on the island is pretty hit and miss for me, but I, I don't want to say that I would like cut the island stuff out because I like a lot of stuff in there. Like when you're going through like the uh, like the hospital or like research mm. type parts of it, I thought that was really good. So yeah. I like I wouldn't cut all of that, but there was a lot of fluff on the island. Like it felt like that should have been like a a short final level. Definitely that. That island section 
I, every single time I play this game, again, I've played this game 50, 75, 100 times or whatever. <laughs> there are parts of the island where I'm like, wait, what? What is happening right now? Like, what is this? I just forget yeah. they exist because it is so... Um, they kind of run out of ideas. I feel like they run out of new things to do on the island. And so a lot of it is just like hallways and guys, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the variety in the island, we'll talk about it when we get, uh, a bit further down. I think all the attempts at variety on the island kind of are not great. I don't actively hate a lot of them, but man, when I think about this game and I go, screw that section, it's all on the island. Uh-huh. Yeah, it makes sense. When I replay this game often, I just play the first three chapters and then stop. Because those oh, are, I feel, yeah. like the best stuff. Um, Chapter four is like the mines, which is not, is I think a little too long. And then, yeah, chapter five, I think is like three or four times as long as it should be. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think if I, I don't know, if I did replay this, like the the reason to replay it would be to mess around with some of the weapons that I didn't play with. And like some of those unlock as you get pretty far into the game. Yeah. So I don't know, I, I might keep going, but I definitely agree that the early parts of the game, especially the village, like particularly the village and then some parts of the castle are like like the top top shelf stuff in this yeah. game. I will go so far as to say that I think the first two chapters of this game, the village part of this game, are like probably some of like the best five hours of game there is. Like that initial two chapters is just memorable set piece after memorable set piece after memorable set piece in really Mm -hmm. rapid succession. And the difficulty is still pretty manageable and low to where it feels like you can really get into it and you aren't pressed too much. So it... I think the village is like a revelation in this game and the castle I mostly like. And then the island. Yeah. Yeah. But there is stuff that I liked uh, on the island. And I don't know if we want to just kind of go through kind of sequentially, but like um, there is stuff on the island that I thought was really cool. Uh, But yeah, in the the village, um, I really liked, uh, like I talked about at the beginning, that part in the village where you, you go into like the town square and then you had fought like, one dude and then two dudes and then like one dude with another dude after it or something like that. And then suddenly you go to this village square and there's like 150 enemies out there. And if you go the wrong way, the guy with the bag on his head with the chainsaw pops out. Mm -hmm. And that was a whole thing. Uh, It took me, let's say if I died 10 times in the game, probably three of them were just in this opening thing. Yeah, it it is a big difficulty spike, but I think that it's, um, it gives you a lot of tools to deal with it. I feel like the one mm-hmm. issue I do have is that I don't think it's communicated very well that if you go into this house, Chainsaw Guy appears and that yeah. he doesn't have to appear, that you cannot encounter Chainsaw Guy. There's also, um, in one of the houses, like a seemingly random house is where you first find the shotgun as yep. far as I as the far as I remember. Yeah. And I just like the first couple times I played, I just didn't go in that house. And then the third time I was like, oh, cool shotgun. And yeah. I think the way I actually beat this was I climbed up um, this. I think there's another set piece in this square. So forgive me if this is later, but I climbed up in like the church tower 
it's like a super long ladder mm-hmm. and then just kind of like stood up there and picked off enemies as they tried to climb the ladder and then the timer ran out yep that's that's i think how a lot of people end up doing it uh either mm-hmm. that or they go into the house and the house where the chainsaw guy appears that contains the shotgun actually has like the secret easy mode to this um which is it has like a wraparound uh 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 ceiling or whatever like you can get up on the second floor and go mm-hmm. out on the the ceiling of the first floor and like walk around and that's like the one area in this where you are safe from all sides because when you're in the tower i think enemies like throw bombs at you or something um up in the tower or they can hit you with projectiles in the tower right if you're too close to the windows yeah yeah and the there's one area where that doesn't work the the real secret sauce i feel of this area is that um it is that there are no like wrong choices like everywhere is kind of defensible um Mm -hmm. but there's like a lot of expression through play in this where like you can push things in front of windows to like hunker down here or you can um like there's one where you have to like break a lock to get into like a pretty guarded area where you can just sit back and and watch the door but it's tense to break the lock because you have enemies coming in behind you right and stuff like that so yeah just a lot of like good little choices you can make uh, about how you want to approach it yeah and like i said it was a little bit of a struggle at first but once i got through that the the like that was when I was like, okay, I get it. Like I get this game. I get how it's meant to be played. And then the rest of it was just like, oh, maybe this boss kills me one time. Oh, you know, I missed a QTE and I had low health and I died here, but I didn't really have any trouble even with like big, big combat encounters um, after getting through this first one. It's a real trial by fire, like you said. Definitely. And I, I think a pretty good tutorial, like you said, too. Like, it teaches you what is expected of you, and I think a pretty good way. Yeah. So, other stuff in that kind of village chapter. Um, I really thought that the lake monster fight when you're on the boat was super, super fun. Yeah. That is a nice little, again, like a variety chapter. Nothing else is yeah. like that in the whole game. It's, <laughs> it's just a fun little boss, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed that more tension from that than a lot of other boss fights um i don't know something about being on a boat against a lake monster is yeah. just a little bit more tense than uh fighting you know a big dude there's also um in that boss fight you can like fall into the lake you like get knocked into it and have to swim back. yeah you have to do those the button mash qte to get yeah back. yeah they do, and he swims like absurdly fast it's kind of like you're pounding <laughs> it really fast um but the the underwater when you go down is like really creepy and like a thalassophobia mm-hmm. you can't see where you are you can't see where the the monster is kind of way right um so yeah i I like that boss fight a lot as strange and incongruous as it is yeah i guess before we get any further um were there any weapons that you really really loved um or like i mean you've played this many many times are there any that like you just like really enjoy more than others I think the the machine gun, the TMP in this game, feels really yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really well tuned, and it it also is like a nice balance between feeling like impactful and feeling fast. Um, I also like. I think all of the pistols in this game are fun in different ways. Like the pistols are the secret goats of this game, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. I I have recently in recent playthroughs been more uh, amenable to the Red Nine. Because the the special upgrade for that gives it like 
uh, I believe a base power of like 6.5, which is like a shotgun. So you're just carrying around like a little shotgun that can shoot 20 yeah. something bullets and it, it just pops really <laughs> satisfyingly. Um, yeah, I don't like the mind thrower. That's what I never buy. And then mm-hmm. I think that all the others, like, I think the shotguns feel good, not great. The rifles feel good, not great. But the TMP, the pistols, I think those are like really where the like secret sauce mojo magic is. Yeah. I use the TMP as well as, um, whatever the kind of better version of the shotgun is that you can get like in the castle, I think. The um, riot gun? Yeah. Yeah. I use that one. And then uh, I use the red nine and the semi automatic rifle for the whole game. Like those, those four, like once I got those, I think like at least by the end of the castle chapters, I didn't really mess around with new stuff except for when rocket launchers start to come into the picture. Yeah. Um, the nice free rocket launcher you get. It's yeah. Such a nice, like such a nice thing that they're just like, these items are rare. They're expensive, but uh, this is like your, um, I don't feel like fighting this boss. Yeah. Let me just shoot it with a rocket launcher and get past it. It's oddly generous in a way that like these games are not, I mean, third person shooters are not generous in that way ever. Yeah. To get a get out of boss free card right before you're yeah. about to go through a series of pretty difficult bosses at the end of the castle slash the beginning of the mines areas, like such a smart concession. And the area where you get that is right before, like the hall before your last attache case size increase. So it communicates uh-huh. to you like, Hey, take this freaking rocket launcher. Like you want mm-hmm. this. Yeah. I remember I don't, I didn't take it cause I didn't have uh space and then I went up to the the merchant. I bought the the inventory upgrade and immediately was like, okay, back to that rocket launcher. Go get that. I believe the upgrade is exactly the amount of space of a rocket launcher. <laughs> yeah. It's the game is like, <laughs> hey, Dave, like smack me in the face a few times. He's like, Dave, take that rocket launcher. You really want this, bro. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't even know that it um, kills bosses in one hit. It was just like, oh, rocket. I, okay. A boss fight well should use this rocket launcher and then it just dies and you're like oh okay that's that's very nice did you ever use any of the magnums no um i was married to the uh the red nine yeah i mean reasonable the red nine's pretty great there you can get a free magnum actually um by backtracking in a place that the game really doesn't tell you you should be backtracking um mm-hmm. which is you know that room that's like a room full of lava Oh, that yeah. you go to <laughs> where you have Ashley with you. Um, if yeah. you backtrack to this like outside corridor area where there's like a door you couldn't get through, you can like push Ashley up and through and she'll unlock it. And on the other mm-hmm. side, it's just like a magnum and a bunch of really valuable items. So you can get a free nice. magnum. Um, but yeah, and they feel pretty good, but you get like no ammo for them. Like, magnums. yes. I always got like I always picked up ammo even though I wasn't carrying one and I always sold those. They're actually pretty uh yeah. you get a good price for them. 500 each. Yep. Yeah. While we're here, I just want to talk about the lava room cuz I brought it up. Yeah. What yeah, the- let's talk about that. <laughs> what the heck? Why why does yeah. it- <laughs> how, how do you get this installed is my question. I was, like I know. <laughs> that's what I as soon as I saw that I was like, "Oh yes, of course, like when I own a castle someday, I will have a lava room as you do." 
And the way you get to this room is the thing about this game that is most incongruous to me. I do not understand what this thing is that you the get machine? on. Yeah. yeah. The machine is the only way to describe it. It is like a TIE fighter made of gears where you yep. stand in the middle and like get whisked over to the other side of a 20 foot ravine, maybe like a surprisingly yeah. small ravine full of lava. And then you yeah. go into the next room and it seems to be like, uh, like some kind of moat of lava, but like it's just a contained room. Why? Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the extravagance uh, that the people at the castle, they're just showing off. Like there's, you know, they have like, you know, your your golden suits of armor and your golden swords and you have your suits of armor that come to life and stuff like that. But all of that, that's pretty standard castle stuff, right? So like this lava room, that's where the extravagant spending comes in. I mean, yeah. just think about how much it would, how much it would cost to install that, but keep it maintained exactly well. yeah yeah that's a pretty big flex now that i think about it you're totally right yeah. all the other yeah. castle owners in the area are like gosh you know my castle is pretty nice but it doesn't have a lava room yeah yeah that's fucking guys um it's when i fe- when i first found that like i saw like the lava moat in the machine and as soon as you step on it and the the wheels it's it's two wheels with like these thin little spokes and then a platform for you to stand on. And as soon as he stepped on that and it started moving, I think I like laughed out loud and was like, okay, I got to get back there. I got to take some screenshots of this. This is ridiculous. And when you get on, (laughs) he turns to Ashley and goes, wait here. But why, like, why now? Like, what about (laughs) this is like, Ashley shouldn't go into the lava room, but she can, you know, come with me (laughs) all these other places that she shouldn't be going. Lava rooms are 18 and up. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, that, that was crazy. And then in the lava room, you're like, it's like shifting platforms. It's ridiculous. They have carved dragons carved out of stone descend from the ceiling on chains and mm-hmm. on those there are people with sniper rifles yeah <laughs> how do well, how do those people get to their job like is there like a <laughs> is it like a stage where there's rafters up above mm-hmm. it's gotta be <sighs> it's it, this game has a lot of goofy moments but yeah. that's gotta be a contender for goofiest it's one of the goofiest things i've seen in any video game that there I've are played. freaking like merry-go-rounds with two ran like surrounded by cage with two doors on them that just rotate infinitely yeah <laughs> what <laughs> oh it's bonkers yeah i love it this so you fight back Going back to the village, back linearly. Yeah. <laughs> um, after the lake monster, the next boss you fight is uh, a boss you fight a couple of times in the game, actually, these El Gigantes. Um, how do you like this fight and also the the times you face them later? How did you, you like those? I thought this one was fun. This one was fine. When you fight one, uh, it was pretty good. I like, like, you can figure out that you can, um, like, knock a boulder down, or maybe that's in a later one with That's Ashley. the second one, yeah. Right. Yeah. So it was all right. I I didn't mind it. Uh, The first one is when you're in the kind of open thing. And if you saved a dog, the dog will distract it, right? Yep. That's the one. Yeah. I enjoyed that. And I enjoyed being rewarded for being nice to animals. (laughs) Yeah. That is like a strange, like one off little mechanic there where it's like this random dog in one one affects this boss fight later for no conceivable reason. (laughs) Right. But 
later on when you fight them, I started to have less and less fun, uh, yeah. especially the one with Ashley, because she will just like hunker down in the fetal position right in like the hitbox of uh, the attacks. Yeah. So that one was not super fun. Uh, later, I think there's one where you fight two and there's like a lava pit in the middle that you can get them to fall into, right? Mm, yep. That one was all right. I enjoyed yeah. that. That one's pretty pretty fun. And and also, strangely, one of the few like version changes of this game is if you use the pit in the original GameCube version, the money from that guy just goes away. But in later versions, they made it so if you leave and come back, you get the money, which is like oh. such a small little change. And I'm like, who even thought to make that? <laughs> yeah. They had a bunch of angry letters from people like, I didn't get my 20,000 pesetas or something. Yeah, definitely. That lot of angry moms. Um, yeah. no. Later on, I, I like how the one where you're, I think it's the one where you have Ashley with you. I believe that's the one where you have a choice of it like, yep. you can go that way and fight that one, or you can go to the left and it just says like, uh, we have a bunch of dudes ready. Yeah. Um, you I can think do like both, the, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the pro gamer thing is to do both and get the rewards for doing both. But yeah. um, I, I like that because we didn't really talk about earlier, um, not that it's super important, but you find those little notes around the levels mm -hmm. where uh, the bad guys are basically explain leaving notes explaining what their exact plan is for you. But with like dramatic vagueness in them. Yeah. But like, what if the 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 incident happens will we be able to fulfill our plan and it's like okay yeah <laughs> i don't know what any of these proper nouns are but sure right but you find one that says like okay to the left we'll set up a million dudes and to the right we'll get el gigante and then uh i was like oh okay that's kind of cool like letting me know about my choice uh as a reward for poking around and reading stuff yeah and that's kind of yeah. the only useful one all the other ones are like like the Luis notes, I think are, I don't know who he's <laughs> writing them to. Like, what is the intended audience of Luis's notes throughout this game? I don't know. But yeah, Luis is a weird character in general. Like, yeah, he, he just kind of shows up. He seems like he's going to be super helpful, but he's rarely super helpful. In fact, a lot of like, I remember the one time he shows up and he's like, I think he's like, I, I got a cure, but I forgot it. I'll be back. I got to yeah. go get it. He he has a big habit of like um knowing what to do and then like not being able to do it or like not communicating it or like just being vague and like walking away sassily. Mm -hmm. Like what <laughs> Luis loves nothing more than like a sassy saunter. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's a big entrance and exit guy. Yeah. So I I didn't like fully latch on and like internalize this story, but like one thing I did find that was just super funny to me early in the game is so like Sadler's explaining like the motivation for making these parasites ah. and the motivation is like, we're going to show the U S that they can't police everybody. Uh, so they create a parasite and kidnap the president's daughter for ransom money. It's <laughs> a very weird, like, how is this going to accomplish like showing the U S that they can't police the world, which is, you know, I'm all for that. You know, the U S should not be policing the world, but like this, this is how, how is this going to get that point across? Very thematically confusing game because yeah. <laughs> the, the recurring theme of the, of the enemies in this game is 
American imperialism is bad. Uh, right. and there's, they, they will frequently say things like, this is not some action movie where an American sweeps in and like kills everyone and saves the day. But then that is mm-hmm. what happens. Yeah. So I'm curious That's if exactly the game is happens. <laughs> pro or anti-imperialism, because it seems like all of the people who are anti-imperialism are the bad guys who are wrong. Yeah. Well, it, it also, it seems like one of those, like, you know, you hear about those stupid criminals who like, they make a plan to rob a bank, but they like don't know how to do it or what to do with the money when they get the money. Yes. It seems like that's what this cult is like, where they're like, we're going to show the U.S. that they can't you know, police the world. And how are we going to do it? We're going to make a parasite. So yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're like plan. So like the ransom, I think, as we're supposed to understand, is like kind of a... Uh, a non-starter they just want ashley so that they can implant the virus in her and then when the u.s uh tries to take her back either through paying the ransom or through sending someone that they will mm-hmm. spread the virus to america because okay. <laughs> they the they didn't create the virus intentionally it accidentally got exposed when they were mining oh. in the mines um, oh, okay they like um, I think that they were researching it and then they didn't realize that like they were still living spores. And so the researchers, um, people who went down and uncovered it, got the infection, brought it back up and then spread it to everyone else. And they want to spread it to America. Kind of like those gotcha. um, parasites that control the the wasps where their goal is just to get around other wasps so that they mm-hmm. can spread more. Yeah, I missed out on all of that exposition <laughs> it's it's i think truly most of that comes from like two notes where it's like <laughs> salazar yeah. sadler explaining his plan to indeterminate audience yeah yeah i i love this the notes were consistently like even if they weren't the most helpful they were very funny to read and just be like who are you writing this note to like who's who's the you it's in this random shack in a village like who's supposed to be reading this right and like like why the t- the like perspective of those notes is always very unclear to me like like <laughs> like when did they sit down and write this incomplete series of questions that they had or whatever like yeah um yeah so just weird but very silly yeah very weird you wrote down here that you enjoyed that cabin fight yeah. where you uh where you're defending the windows. I really didn't like that. Um, I had a hard time. What did you not like about it? Just difficulty or? I just, I I just don't think I like these types of like set piece things. Like, like I said, I, I don't like the one in the last of us. Um, I like what it does for the story, but in that game, but I don't like actually doing it. And yeah, I just didn't, didn't really enjoy this. Um, I think I yeah I, I do get that. Don't play Resident Evil Five then, because that game is full of these. <laughs> this cabin scene is one of the scenes that like really people latched onto as like being one of the main like good parts of this game or like the big scenes that people remember. And so Resident Evil Five, there's like I, w- I want to say like a half dozen of them. Like there's a lot. Oh no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just like it. I think it's like a nice little gameplay variety, and I think it also is one of the times where even as a person who has played this game a lot and is pretty good at it, um, I still get, I still feel that pressure in this scene in a way I don't in a lot of other scenes because it's impossible mm-hmm. to stay on top of the enemies. They just come too fast. Mm-hmm. There's a, a lot of good, like, 
kind of desperation in that scene, like running out of ammo, uh, like a dude coming up, like give him a quick knife slice just to buy yourself a couple seconds to switch weapons and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I, I will admit that that was pretty good. I just, you know, this is just a type of gameplay set piece that I don't, I just don't love in general. I get you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you've never, you didn't do the the left route then with the people. You just did the El Gigante route. Right. I just did the right one. The the left one is, I, I, I kind of struggle to understand why it's in the game. It's very basic. Um, it's, <laughs> it um, is what it sounds like. It's just yeah. a bunch of dudes. The, the only difference between this and any other encounter is that there are two chainsaw people and they're women instead of a dude. Like, oh. That's kind of it. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's Worth pretty it. easy. Yeah. <laughs> there's also, um, so, you know, there's like those masks that you can put things in. Well, you can get, uh, um, it's like one of the first. Oh, like the treasures. Yeah. yeah one of the first yeah. treasures you get, you can slot stuff into. Well, there's enough gems in the game to complete two full masks. And there are two full masks in the game. Um, mm-hmm. And if you want to do that, you have to go through this route because one of them okay. is in here. So. Gotcha. Yeah. I. I completed, I, I don't know how many of those treasures there are that you can fill with stuff. Like, let's just say that there's eight. Sounds yeah, about right to me. Something like that. I, I completed probably four or five of them. And then there was a couple where it was like, hey, I've had this, <laughs> I've had this for four whole chapters. I probably missed it. Time to sell it. Yeah, that is, that does kind of feel bad when that happens. Uh, yeah, where- but like, I, I just, I just figured like, it's kind of, um. You know, I just missed one. You know, I felt good about the amount of exploring I did. And if I missed one, that's that was fine. There was one when I was looking on the wiki and it was like tied to like random drops from certain types of enemies. Yeah. Uh, for one, I think it's one of those eye yeah. gems or something. And I was like, oh, I'm not doing that. I'll just I'll just go sell that now. Yeah. The butterfly mug, I think, or the butterfly something is. Yeah. It's tied to the Navistadors, and specifically what it is, I'm pretty sure, is they have eyes that change color, and they drop the color of eye that they have when you kill them. Oh, and no, and, I was killing those things as quickly as possible. Yeah. I'm not, not going to strategize that. This is a good time, I guess, to talk about some of the enemies, the, the enemy sure. variety in this game. So those guys are called Novistadors, the like flying guys. They also turn invisible in like that mm-hmm. predator sheer but you can still kind of see where they are kind of thing how did you feel about these guys those were one of the only enemies in the game that i would say are scary yeah like because the first i think the first time you meet one is you're going through these like sewers or something like that yep and it's you know it's already dark sewers are scary in general like i don't know if you've ever been in a sewer i assume that they're scary in real life too so I when they turn invisible and now something's suddenly attacking me or jumping out, I'm like, what the fuck? Like one of the only like actual jump scares I had in the game. Yeah. And and they they are very fast compared to other enemies in this game. They mm-hmm. can fly right at you and attack you very quickly. Um and they're also very strong. Like they do a lot of damage. Um so these are enemies that like like what you said, these still get me. Um, as like being scary and tense and good. That mm-hmm. said, I think that they are kind of bullshit sometimes, and I don't love them. <laughs> uh, this is the one enemy I would I might cut from some parts of this game. Yeah, this part in the sewer section I thought was really good. It's like a, I mean, it felt 
unlike a lot of the rest of the game, it felt like a real horror level. Yeah. Um, and that was one where I was like, I was kind of like debating at that point, like, do I really need the shotgun? Um, but the shotgun like massacres these things. It stuns them. It knocks them down. Super, super helpful. So that was one kind of like solidified, like how much I use the shotgun in this game. There's a room later where the big there's like a million of them in a cave i yeah it's too hard it's too many hate that room i hate that room that is a that is one of the rooms that my brain blocks out like every Mm -hmm. single playthrough uh because it is such an obvious cut to me because it is so unfun to be pestered on all sides by the fast enemy by like a dozen of them that's a yeah. room I can't get out of without just chugging through healing items and just like running through because otherwise you're going to get pinned down and just screwed. Yep. Yeah, I did not enjoy those. Um, another An enemy that like I started the game, like when they first came in, I did not like uh, are the the blind one with the like the Wolverine claws. I'm pretty sure uh, they, they're called like, they have their Garadors? Garad- yeah. I think it means warrior or something. I don't know. They... Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm not sure. My Spanish is a little rusty. Um, but the first room when you find one and it's you have to I think you have to let it out of its like restraints in order to like solve whatever the puzzle in that room is. I thought that was good. And you you know, you shoot the bells to make it run over so you can shoot the parasites on its back. I thought that was good, but I felt I think they used these enemies too many times. Like Yeah. Later on, there's there's an encounter where you have to fight two of them at once, um, and it just like started to take too long, you know? Yeah, because the the like you said, they're blind and their their weak spot is on their back. They have this like a big parasite thingy, um, mm-hmm. and so what you need to do or you're encouraged to do is like walk around so that they can't hear you to go around the back or to run and um, either shoot the bells so that they'll run at those. Or to run somewhere so that they will turn and run that direction. And then you walk away from where they're like running towards so that they can't right. hear you. And it is like a good variety. Like it, it encourages you to not just run all the time. Um, and it also encourages you to like circle around people because there's not any other enemy in the game that really encourages that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, they, they do just become like a thing that the game uses when it it wants to make things harder so like my least favorite one of these is the one where you're in a room and like a cage drops on you oh yeah i do i don't like that encounter and every time i play this game it's one of those that i dread like i have to steal myself like oh this this fucking room (laughs) this fucking bullshit i hate it i died a couple times in that room and i think the way that i got out of it was like trying to position like the enemies and the door that has the lock on it like on one side and then just throw a bunch of grenades yeah and try and like you know get them at least incapacitated for a second and break the lock so that i can run out and like kind of feel like i have you know agency again (laughs) yeah um it, it yeah they're kind of and they also do this move that I don't like, which is they just spin around in place. And that thing can hit you four or five times in sequence with no ability to move. Um, and it's not, it doesn't feel great. Um, yeah. Fun little fact about these guys that I'm not sure you would have encountered. 
if you throw a flash grenade, they can see. Oh, that's weird. Isn't that so strange? <laughs> yeah. Flash grenades are something that in a lot of games I don't use because they're not super useful. Like in a lot of shooters, mm-hmm. they fucking rule in this game. They are so awesome. Uh, because they, um, the, so what I was gesturing at before with the special type of enemies way back at the beginning was there are right. enemies where the parasites will burst out of their head and they like have, right. There's like three different types of parasites, but they're all a big deal when they come up. They, they will do mm-hmm. a lot of damage or you have to deal with them. Um, and flash grenades will insta kill them. Right. So that's the, like, the best use case for these in addition to like a get out of jail free card if you're pushed in a corner. Or what have you. Right. And I don't think mm-hmm. the game says that, does it? It doesn't tell you that these insta-kill parasites. I don't know how I figured that out. It doesn't seem like someone would tell you. Or yeah. like those notes that you find probably wouldn't say anything about it. So it's probably just, you know, you're running low on ammo. I guess I'll throw a flash grenade and see if I can run away. Oh, wait, it killed that thing. Cool. Yeah. It's it's a nice little, little gift. Um for using your get out of jail free card. Yeah. That said, um, their flash grenades in this game are like otherwise, like they're only really useful when you're really down and 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 bad off. Whereas like all the other ones, they don't feel good. I guess is my point. They don't usually feel that good to me to use. But the other grenades are this grenade specifically. I like the other grenades more than okay. the flash grenades. The fire grenades, especially, I think, are very fun. They feel really good. Yeah. They're super useful to like buy yourself some time. I use those a lot against those, um, the dudes with the Wolverine claws because, Mm. um, it was, you know, sometimes they just get too close to you and you need to like just buy yourself a few seconds. Yeah, definitely. And, um, the last, I think, enemy variety while we're talking about these are the regenerators, which are the enemies at the end of the game that you have to use the, the thermal scope for. How do you like these guys? I love those. They're so creepy. And so creepy. They move just slow enough that like I felt like I had time. Like I felt like if I did my job and made the right shots, they never got up next to me. Yeah. But if you miss one or two times, then suddenly it's like, oh shit, I gotta, you know, back away and try and like try again, I guess. But yeah, I really like them and they're creepy as fuck. That's like the main thing. Like when I first saw one, I was like, oh, what is that? Yeah. And the the way that they have you encounter these is so neat and smart where you have to go into a room to get a thing. You like activate or I think you pick something up. And then when you come back out, an enemy that was frozen or like on an on a table has like it's gotten gone. up and left. Yeah. And yeah, it's right there. Like it's it just is right around the thing. Uh, and it's like, ah, oh, no. Yeah. And I you, really like those. Did you see the the death animation for when these guys kill you? I'm not sure. It's not not ringing a bell. No, the 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 death animation for these is bonkers. So they can like create spikes out of their skin in like a mystique kind of way. Um, uh-huh. Like their skin <laughs> is gelatinous um, and they yeah. just spear Leon. They just shoot out spikes from their bodies and spear Leon on them on their body. Mm. It's grisly and it's awesome. Nice. There's yeah. so many bespoke death animations in this game, by the way. Yeah. Did you see any of those? 
I was just going to say, like, I, I was just thinking as you're describing that, I was like, yeah, there are a bunch of cool ways that enemies can kill Leon. I just don't remember them off the top of my head. You can um, get decapitated by the chainsaw people. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, I'm pretty sure the Garidors can, like, slice your head off as well, or they, like, do something yeah. like that. I um, think so. The uh, El Gigantes can, like... <laughs> Like basically suplex you, like they slam you into the ground like a doll and just like mm-hmm. smash you, and then it's like game over. Um, the Novisadors yeah. can um melt your face off with their acid, <laughs> which is really, That's really, really cool. neat. Um, and then there's um, I feel like I'm missing one, but that, those are the main ones. A lot yeah. of very cool animations. There's a YouTube yeah. mega cut of them. So before we move on to the island, got to talk about Salazar because we haven't talked about him yet. He is, uh, I think earlier when you said like, he's like one of the funniest like antagonists that you've come across. Ugh. I kind of thought in my head, like he's probably talking about Salazar. This yes. dude is hilarious. This dude is, this voice actor needs all the like <laughs> kudos in the world for the tone he manages to walk in this, this voice acting performance is bananas. Uh-huh. He is a sniveling like cocky weirdo he like mm-hmm. <laughs> has the most uncomfortable cackle i've ever ever heard and there's a part before you're introduced to him right when you enter the castle where you can't see anything but there's the cackle playing in the background um mm-hmm. and that is such a smart way to introduce this character by by with his goofy ass laugh before yeah. <laughs> he, he proceeds to like spend the entire first conversation saying sentences that don't feel like they're like they make any sense like they're, <laughs> they're just statements of declaring statements i don't know how to describe it they're just don't make yeah. sense there's a lot of conversations where because like he gets on your radio at some point he replaces yeah. like the you know the the woman in the earpiece who's helping leon with the mission okay. and then there's a lot of conversations where he's making deck like statements like that and then leon is just doing like action movie hero one-liner things they're not talking to each other but they're you know just kind of trading stuff back and forth yes it's so good my favorite one of these is um i, I forget exactly the the salazar line but uh, he goes like, you know, and we'll get Ashley back. And Leanne's reply is just, no, you won't. And that like <laughs> declarative sim. Every time I watch that cutscene, I full out belly laugh because it is such a good interaction of two people just not talking to each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if there's anyone listening to this, like in the spoiler section who hasn't played RE4, but to describe what Salazar looks like is also very funny. Like he... <laughs> looks like a child that is 87 years old at the and, same time and and cosplaying as napoleon bonaparte right yeah <laughs> he's got great robes on this guy yes so many so much money were worn on his body on his gray wrinkly child body <laughs> isn't this isn't there a line where he like kind of states like oh you wouldn't know this but i'm only you know 
22 years old or something like that. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but he he legit, he he looks like a child that is 87 years old. Yeah, this guy Benjamin buttoned hard. Yeah. <laughs> and I was kind of leading up to uh, the boss fight against him where he turns into this giant like tentacle monster, which it like I... I knew like as I was going through the game, I was like, there's going to be a boss fight against him. But how is this? How? Yep. Because he's three feet tall. So how is this going to work? But yeah, he turns into this just cancerous tentacle mass and just chasing you around these platforms. And that was the first boss where I shot with a rocket launcher. And I was like, oh, one hit kill. Okay, cool. I, I don't like that boss fight very much. That is oh. the one I use my rocket launcher on almost all of the time. Mm hmm. Um, and, and also he, another thing about his character that I think is very funny that you don't see in characters in games a lot. He gets really like audibly annoyed quite frequently yeah. at Leon in mm -hmm. a way that is like, like he's talking to a child who just pissed on the rug or something like that. Like he's yeah. very mad that you just won't let him play with his toys and like mm -hmm. do the things he wants to do. Oh, it's so good. I think there's one part. I think this is with Salazar, so correct me if I'm wrong, but there's one part where Leon like throws a knife and like pins his hand yep. against a wall and he's like basically reacts the way a child would. He's like, ah, yeah. I'm going to get you. He starts like, yeah, w like angry or like sad, angry <laughs> yelling. I guess you could say like yeah. he's he's angry to hide the fact that he hurts really bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> The other villains in this game, we're going to talk about one later that I think is just fucking terrible. But from this game, this is by far the most memorable villain. And then, like, if someone asks me, like, what's what's a villain who's not, like, super compelling but very memorable? Like, this is definitely one. Yeah. He's not, he's not a very intimidating villain, I guess. But he, he brings a lot of levity to the castle chapters. Because mm -hmm. that's the part of the game where I start to feel like... um like things are a little stressful maybe or like tense sometimes uh and yeah. it's always really good to like walk into a room and like oh we're gonna get some some funny shit here uh because yeah. he salazar's around yeah when i first met salazar i thought he was going to be like this kind of untouchable bond villain <laughs> mastermind type thing and he's not like leon is clearly like way too much of a match for him so that was kind of interesting how that subverted like what i thought was coming there's a part where he drops you down a literal trap door <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> like leon walks onto what could not yeah, like mr like mr burns yes it's so obviously <laughs> a trap door too by the way if you look at it uh and he drops it and he has like this listening device and he's listening for the sound yeah. of leon being <laughs> impaled and he doesn't hear it and he starts like throwing a temper tantrum and it's so funny mm-hmm Last we're gonna talk about the island i guess before oh, we go there thing? there's one room yeah. i want to talk about this is my favorite room in the game when i okay. thought about the spoiler wall and what i wanted to put after it, this is the first thing i wrote the water room do you know what room i'm talking about do you have any guesses what i'm talking about i if it's not the one where you first fight the um oh what are those dudes called the navistadors then i don't so the room I'm talking about is the one right after the first Garador fight, the first Wolverine fight, where you walk in and there's a bunch of enemies in front of you and you have to do a shuttle run down to the far side to, um, and you have to like 
put Ashley on a platform and go on the other one. And then you have to make a shuttle run back down to like do a crank that lowers a stairwell. And then you go up there, uh, piggyback Ashley up and she has to like go do, uh, cranks and you have to like snipe enemies. Mm-hmm. And then you jump across platforms to get out of the room. Does this ring bells now? Oh. Yeah. It, it's a really big room, right? Yeah. It's like a gauntlet. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I remember that. This is my favorite room in the game. This is like, I keep a save file right before this room just so (laughs) I can replay it. I think this is like the best encounter in the game uh, for like a million reasons. And I could go on all day about it. Did this like make any impression on you while you were playing it? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely having fun. Like the we didn't talk about the puzzles at all um, (laughs) because they're pretty they're pretty light, They're pretty easy. And like, I don't know, not many of them were super memorable. And I like, I don't know, I don't really love puzzles in games like, like, you know, combat room. Okay, do a puzzle like stuff like I don't always love those. But I I do remember this like water room being um, if I remember right. Is this the one with the big statue of Salazar with no. the hands moving different That's room, a different room. That's way uh, okay. that much later. This is much really later. early okay. in the castle. I'm pretty sure it's in three one. Um, okay. And the, like, I think the real secret sauce of this room, I guess, is that it um, is a room that like changes while you're in it a lot. And in a way that affects the game. So like you um, have to go down to the far side and then like enemies appear from different directions than they were before and they like press in on you in different ways and then you have to like go back and you have a choice to make which is like does leon do the crank or do you have ashley do the crank oh Um, okay yeah and and it's full of these like little choices once you get up and you like piggyback ashley up you have to like watch her with the sniper rifle but you also have enemies coming at you so you have to like balance it i just think it's like Mm -hmm. a really solid like room that is like the thesis of the gameplay in this game, I guess it's like a good one room thesis statement for the game. And I, I just, it's so fun to me every time it's like just tense enough, just like long enough. Uh, like it doesn't overstay its welcome, but it's not too short. It just really stands out to me. Mm-hmm. Now that, now that you talk about it, I remember making the choice between like who turns the crank and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Well, there's another room in the castle that I just thought about, which is the one um, where I forget what you do that causes this, but the dude with the turret rises out of the floor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's another one of those contraptions where like th- if you just take half a second and think about like the construction of the castle, they're like, okay, and this is the rotating turret room that comes out of the floor. Yeah, that room also has like a strange like wall that attaches to nothing. Uh, like it's just a <laughs> wall in the middle of nowhere with a window in yeah. it that you can jump through. It's very silly. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of silly stuff. Um, but I enjoyed that stuff. And so, then if we're talking about the castle and that big statue room, what is up with that statue? Yeah, exactly. It's another extravagance. Um, not only am I going to have a, you know, 50 foot tall statue of myself inside my castle i'm also going to rig it up so that the hands move as like act as little elevators yeah <laughs> they, and they have different those switches that make them do different little patterns yeah all over it and we have we have fun in this castle hey we we work hard but we play hard too <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and and then it it comes to life 
I don't know yeah. how is that what's happening there? Yeah, man. Tough to say. I honestly I don't remember like what happened after you kind of solved the puzzle of that room, but the whole time I was like is this like is this is like a treat for the people who work in the castle? Like <laughs> they they get to take a ride on the little thing on the hands. Yeah, it seems so unsafe too because like you go up really high in that room. It's like a four-story yeah. tall room. And it's just like yeah. <laughs> on these like uneven surfaces that go at weird angles, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Silly, yeah. silly, silly. Yeah. Okay, we can move That's on to the That's the name island. of the game. Yeah. All right. So the island. I kind of like, first of all, I thought the game was going to be over. So I, that's it's never a good sign when, well, I guess sometimes it could be. In this case, it was like, oh, I thought this was going to be the end. Now there's a whole new thing. And I bet that this is at least as long as the castle or the village. So when that came up, I was like, all right, let's let's see what's here. And then it for a while, it's just a lot of like, you know, going through those cliffside things or yeah. kind of like those military base looking places with just a bunch of dudes and encounters that last like you know, 50% too long. Yeah. This is, they just kind of pump the numbers on a lot of stuff here uh, in a way I don't really love. And, and it is very, very, very brown. It is so visually uninteresting <laughs> to me, this whole section. Um, I when don't, you're outside, yeah. Yeah. And even the inside is like kind of Gennaro, I feel like. Like, it is like a pretty neat industrial, like laboratory thing, I guess. But it's, it's still pretty generic to me. Um, in a way that I don't I don't love. Yeah, I suppose that I probably haven't played enough horror games that have like, you know, unethical laboratory stuff going on. Yeah. Going through those levels where it would like read as generic to me. This is something that happens at the end of every Resident Evil game, more or less. There is like a laboratory <laughs> section almost exactly uh-huh. like this. And they almost always <laughs> look exactly like this. Um Yeah. So it maybe it's me fatigued with the the formula. Yeah, that's fair enough. It also doesn't help that most of the set pieces in this I feel are kind of te- either either tedious or just actively not that fun. Um Yeah. So like right at the beginning there's like that light puzzle. Why? Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> there's such an obvious cut to me that does not need to be there. Uh, yeah. And then like um kind of shortly after that you get to this part where like there's a wrecking ball and there's like a control for it in the corner and that room Mm -hmm. you can either have ashley or leon do the wrecking ball but the room has two entrances so you can't like back yourself into a corner and be safe um right does does this room stand out to you do you have feelings about this room because i do i i remember it but i don't i don't have strong feelings one way or another it's maybe just my general feeling of like being slightly annoyed during any escort thing where Ashley's in danger. Yeah. This is the room that like when even at my peak of like loving every single moment of this game, this is the one room where I'm like, man, they really should have cut that room because it is, Mm -hmm. it is just unreasonable. I feel like I, I have more issues here than I do anywhere else in the game. And it's just, it just doesn't add anything. It is just another like defend Ashley thing. Um, yeah. I don't love it. Yeah. And 
I don't like in this level, the one where you're on the back of the truck and there's just dudes somehow running up to a moving truck yeah. and, you know, jumping on the back and stuff like that. I don't like that. And I mentioned the minecart thing earlier. The minecart thing is like two or three times as long as it should be. Yeah. It's pretty long. These sections just like didn't really do it for me when you think like, well, these are like very arcadey video game type things, you know, on the back of a truck as enemies try and climb on or on mine carts going through like a, you know, Donkey Kong Country type thing yeah. as enemies try to jump on. It's just maybe I was just like ready for the game to be over, but then stuff that came afterward, I actually really enjoyed. Yeah, I feel like there should have been more shorter rail rail shooter segments rather than the like two kind of long ones that are in the game Mm -hmm. because these are like i enjoy them for about three to five minutes and then i really want them to be done (laughs) and this one on the island has a, a gameplay section i freaking hate which is where you get stopped and you have to like get off of the truck and pull a lever yeah. and ashley just sitting in the truck is like open for enemies to attack so many mm-hmm. game overs in like especially my like old professional mode run throughs like the the hard difficulty mode so many game overs in this because you can't simply cannot defend ashley well enough while you are up getting that lever uh and i just right. i just think it should have been cut i think it's too frustrating and bad yeah there's a section later where you're i forget you're climbing and it's like this kind of complex with a bunch of you know shipping containers and like crates and like platforms being held up like with nets and stuff like that and you're just trying to get to the top i guess and you're getting on all these cargo elevators and there are just a million enemies uh coming at you that's probably like after the thing at the beginning in the village that's probably the part where i died the most yeah the um you just have dudes with crossbows everywhere that yeah. you're talking about the like five four that like a very long like uh it starts with like the helicopter dude showing up that part this honestly like the the sequence of events here just kind of yeah they blur together same and i've played again i've played this game like 50, <laughs> 50 times <laughs> no i totally yeah. get you all the like fight hallways in the end of part of this game i really 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 think should have been cut yeah and speaking of things that could or should have been cut i think that this game would be better without krauser at all yes like he serves no purpose in this game at all Uh, except for like a really frustrating part of five three like um right i yeah the 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 ruin sequence with krauser is on on this replay the one part of this game that I think is like actually kind of not good in this game. Like there's some other stuff that mm. I have quibbles with that I think could have been cut. I think this rune yeah. sequence has got to got to got to go. See, the rune sequence where he's kind of just you're kind of playing cat and mouse with him. Mm-hmm. I didn't mind that. Um Okay. I'm not sure why. I don't think I had like some crazy strategy or something. I just didn't mind it. I hate the boss fight. Yeah. That's like on a timer. Yes really really hated that i actually had to go on youtube and like look up like how do i do this yeah and it you know i used somebody's you know knife pro strat to beat him pretty easily but i wouldn't have figured that out by myself it's it's not so like the the whole knife part of that is very strange to me we're like the leon and and krauser seem to have some knife related thing 
like some history with <laughs> knives. I don't, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm not into Resident Evil enough to know what their knife thing is, but, um, the knife against Krauser has like an insane damage modifier on it. I'm pretty sure it's like yeah. 50 times or something like that. Like it's bonkers. Yeah. But it's not, I don't think communicated to you well enough that that is happening here or that's in effect. You have no reason to think that the knife is easy mode here. And so right. you're left with a boss fight against this dude who can like effectively like teleport short distances. Like he can go real fast mm-hmm. and he has like a arm that makes him basically invulnerable to damage over 90% of his body. And if you get yep. close enough to knife him, he will just knock you down and stab you. Yeah. It's really not fun. And like you said, it's on a timer. <laughs> yeah. Even worse. Yeah. Like what? Too, like double whammy, like putting a boss fight on a timer in general is not the most fun. And then this thing, like, I did it like four or five times where I literally used every bullet I have. Like I got to a point where he didn't really hit me that often, but it was like, I'm using all of my bullets. Why is he not dead yet? Yeah. He's just too hard unless you know what to do already. I feel. Um, Yeah. And again, this character adds nothing to the game. It's so easy to cut this character. Mm -hmm. He's like a double agent kind of, but he doesn't need to be there for any of the plot machinations. Nope. Not at all. Like, I I don't even think you would have to adjust the story much. You no. would just cut that chapter out of the game. Yep. And then maybe like one character later is like, oh, he killed Krauser. Oh, no. And then that's it. You move on. And that's immediately before this like long series of combat hallways. So it's like truly that the last areas of this game before the final boss fight are long combat encounter boss fight long 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 combat encounter um yeah and and it it's it just goes on too long especially when there's um the very last like regular encounter of the game is this room where uh you like walk in and there's stairs in front of you and then behind those stairs there's like a platform and a a room and your goal is to like get a key card from a guy Mm -hmm. to exit the room does this does this room stand out to you at all? Because I hate yeah. this room. Yeah, that that's the guy who um he runs away from you. Yes, right? the guy that has the key card. Yeah, and it, enemies show up from nowhere. They just keep coming. Yeah. Hmm. I think this was like at this point in the game where I was like still having a reasonable amount of fun, but like very much like, can we wrap this up? Yeah. It, it truly such an obvious cut because there's no new gameplay thesis there it's not doing anything interesting it is just another room with a lot of enemies and one you have to kill specifically which they've yeah. done before so yeah no way yeah we talk about a story thing for a second like we didn't mention early but so leon gets injected with the virus and you sp- i spent a good part of the game either a thinking like okay we got to get this virus. Like we got to cure this, right? Like something's bad. Something bad's going to happen to Leon or completely forgetting that that happened in the first place because they don't do anything with it at all. Uh, There's a couple cutscenes where Leon is like, you know, losing control of his body briefly or something like that, but it doesn't affect you in gameplay whatsoever. And then at the end, (laughs) I like laughed out loud when they find the magical virus removal or parasite removal machine. I was like, what? They have parasite removal down to a single button press. Yeah. You like sit in a machine and then like, bloop, 
on and then parasite yeah. gone <laughs> but why so like in the story of this game these are parasites that were in ancient rocks and the spores released and they infected their host and their goal is to self-replicate why did these parasites build this device or like, like yeah why do they have this everybody who's in power pulling the strings behind all of this has the parasite right yeah and they want so, everyone to have it yeah, and it's, sorry, I misspoke. Leon doesn't have the virus. He has the parasite as well as Ashley, yeah. Ashley as well. So it, and then just very funny how like you're coming to the end of the game and you're like, I wonder what's going to happen with that parasite plot line. Oh, there's a magical machine right before the end of the game that just removes the parasite. No one's guarding <laughs> it or anything. It's just in a, in a, in a room on the critical path. Yep. Just, very weird. Just uh, <laughs> like totally unnecessary thing. And I feel like this is one of those things that was maybe from like an earlier draft of the game or something like it feels like there's a lot of potential here for uh like double and triple agents or like people to be switching sides or whatever. But that doesn't mm -hmm. end up happening in the game almost at all. Like all of the double and triple agenting we learn about, we learn about in like two cutscenes and some notes. Um, and so it, yeah. it it really feels like a missed opportunity like a MacGuffin. Although there was one interesting thing about this. So when you have the the parasite, your eyes turn red. Um, mm -hmm. And throughout the game, the merchant has yellow eyes. I'm pretty sure yellow eyes. Uh, except I believe two of them have red eyes. So though hmm. there are two infected merchants, and all of the merchants are not the same guy, is what that implies. These are different <laughs> people. Just. Adding to the mystery of the merchant. Truly. Yeah. So kind of wrapping up stuff on the island, you fight Sadler. Um, that boss fight I thought was pretty fun and yeah. like a nice kind of like almost final test of like, what have you learned about fighting these parasite monsters? Basically like flash grenades wreck him. Um, and then I, I think I had... The rocket launchers are single fire. Didn't mention that earlier, but that it's like a very precious, like use that. But this is, it's either a multiple phase fight or like the rocket launcher doesn't kill him in one hit. It doesn't even on easy. Right. So I use the rocket launcher, but you do actually have to fight him. Um, but I enjoyed the fight, like all the little um, eyeballs, I think it is. Yeah. That like pop up and you have to shoot, shoot the eyeballs. Very like almost Zelda. Yeah, Ish. that's what I was going to say. It's like almost like a test boss, like in Zelda, where like the entire game has been about like shooting little things. And it's like, this guy's got a bunch of little things in different spots on his body. Can you shoot the mm -hmm. little things? Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. This is a game that like on first glance, I would have guessed that it would have bad boss fights, but most of them are actually pretty fun. Yeah. There's just a couple that I really dislike, like Krauser was horrible. And then... um Oh, there's there's one that's following you around in the shipping container maze, and you have oh, to open up the doors. I it. really didn't like that. It. Yeah, that's what it's called. Just it. Yep, it's just called it. Okay, very good. Yeah, didn't like that. But other than that, the boss fights were mostly pretty good. Yeah, that that it sequence the game decides to be a horror movie or a horror game for yeah. like ten minutes, and then it's like, nope, no more. And then you hop on a jet ski because it's not a horror movie. It's an action movie. And uh, earlier I said the very ending thing in the game. I hate it. I hate this jet ski part. It's yeah. terrible. It's such a good way to like 
cause your your player to have like a little spike of frustration literally seconds before the end of the game <laughs> yeah exactly like i don't know what the purpose of you have to be very precise yes. you have to basically do this perfectly and i don't know what the purpose of making this difficult at all was you like, should not be able make, to die here <laughs> yeah you can make it look difficult just have rocks crashing down from the ceiling and stuff like that but the fact that you can die and i did die like four or five times just you're right it's like kind of like you know instead of a little cherry on top of the game it's just a little turd it is so strange to me the impulse to introduce a wholly new mechanic less than (laughs) two minutes from the end of the game right it's so strange i don't know why this is here it should just be a cutscene. like i want to watch them jump out of a cave and then do all this stuff i don't want to play play it i don't know i think it would have been a lot better that way for sure and it it ends with the best line in the game, I feel like. Oh, God. <laughs> like, so Ashley's... How old is Ashley? I think she's supposed to be 18. Okay. So she's a teenager, for yes. sure. Like, absolutely, like, visually and everything coded as a teenager. Yes. So there's a little bit of creepiness from, uh, I think, Luis early in the game, mm-hmm. like, towards Ashley. But then that kind of fades back. And then at the end... Yeah, Ashley, I think the quote is, um, how about after this, uh, we get to my place, why don't we do some overtime? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what? Like, yeah, you're never given the reaction, impression. Just, what? There's no indication that she is attracted to Leon throughout this game, I feel like. And vice versa, too. Yes. Like, there is no sexual energy between the two of them throughout the entire game. It's a, It's a very much, it's shown as a like a grown man saving a child and she reacts like a child who's being saved would react exactly and and then she's and then at the end (laughs) horny on main (laughs) yeah and it's followed by another horny on main moment do you remember this one where uh, leon gets a call from hunnigan the the lady who's on the phone at the beginning of the game yeah and she's not wearing her glasses that she has and leon like asks her out for drinks or something like he yeah. hits on her on a work colleague very obviously uh in a way that like i think he does hit on her a little bit at the beginning of the game so this is technically mm-hmm. set up but it is yeah. just a, a horny grace note at the end of this yeah. game see that one i i saw that and i was like yeah that makes sense like they did well she didn't really flirt but leon yeah. you know it's just the way he is i was like yeah that makes sense and if there are other games with the two of them like i can imagine them as like you know the hero and the the voice in the ear kind of flirting back and forth a little bit so that one was like okay cool that that makes a little bit of sense and this game's goofy as hell whatever but the one with ashley i was like wait what that came out of nowhere yeah and for the record hunnigan is not in any other games she doesn't okay, appear yeah. anywhere else. Um, but yeah, no, it is. And she's also an adult, which is a big difference. Yeah, exactly. Like very much an adult. Yeah. So, and if so. she's the most adult one in this game, probably, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. So there's like some side content in this game. None of it is like super great shakes, but it's not terrible. So there's assignment mm-hmm. Ada, which is like a kind of time trial. You have an objective and you like do the objective fast. And there's like a leaderboard for how fast you did it. Uh, there's separate uh-huh. ways, which is kind of like a alternate story where you play as Ada throughout the events of the main game. 
Um, and this is added oh, right. in the PS2 version. And it's kind of neat to like see some cutscenes from the other side, like what was Ada doing when this was happening. Um, but it's mm-hmm. just the same areas, more or less, and it, it's just the same gameplay. So it's more, more of that. Um, Mercenaries is that arcade mode we talked about. It's pretty fun. I haven't touched it a lot, but there is like a surprising amount of depth to it um, in terms of like combos and, and stuff like that in uh, different characters and people love it. It's like a well-regarded thing. Then there's like a bunch yeah, of Yeah, I've heard about that for sure. Yeah. And and like there's a, I guess the point being, there's a surprising amount of side content, like just between separate ways in assignment ADA, uh, you're probably looking at like another uh, six to eight hours of content maybe. And then mercenaries mm. you can play kind of infinitely. It's arcadey. So uh, there's like a lot of additional stuff in this game. Does the separate ways thing like add into the story at all? Because like during the story, we d- actually we didn't even talk about Ada throughout this whole spoiler section because she just kind of shows up. Yeah. Her and Leon have a little exchange and then she disappears again. She's just like a deus ex Ada throughout the game kind of. So yeah. it doesn't add much. It's really truly one of those things where it's like, bonus content for the people who want it where it's like oh right. that's how she shot through that window in the village at the beginning <laughs> of the game yeah uh-huh. that kind of stuff okay fair enough i'm not mad at that like i don't think i need extra content yeah like i already think i got enough resident evil 4 but for people who want it it's kind of cool that it's there yeah. and weirdly i'm kind of glad that it's not like no there's story critical stuff in this like <laughs> side content yeah no there's not enough story for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, uh, this has been a blast, dude. Yeah. I really appreciate you coming on the show to talk about this. Thank you for having me. I, ha- I had a great time. Play this game, y'all. Yeah. And glad that, like like I said at the beginning, you were one of the first people I talked to before I ever recorded an episode of the show about coming on. And you were just like, oh, you play Resident Evil 4, hit me up. And I was like, okay, uh, we'll see. But we did. We made it happen. This has been a good time. I'm glad I got it on your list because uh, if if this show had made it to like episode 100 without having played this game, like (laughs) what is your gaming history tour even doing, Dave? Right. Yeah, I know. So it's it's definitely a worthy stop on the gaming history tour. Like and then even beyond that, I did have a lot of fun playing it. So definitely glad I played it. Awesome. All right, uh, everybody. Thanks for listening. October continues next week with another uh, spooky game, but you know me, it's not that spooky. So tune in next week for the next game that comes out of the backlog. 